This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. back everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 121 and this week it is our second edition of the annual third annual year interview series as we cover the entire year of 2019 uh give or take a few weeks depending on when we record and you know for a certain promotion or types of type of wrestling we're going to talk about all their best matches and angles and wrestlers and shows or in this case who knows what we're going to talk about because the topic is world wrestling entertainment. Yes, folks, it is our, our WWE year interview 2019. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing this. I barely watched this company this year. Um, but, you know, I felt like I owed it to the two guests here today to give them a chance to tell their story of the year that finally broke them. So let's start out with you, Kelly. Hello to my recent Japan travel mate, Mr. Kelly Harris. What's up, buddy? John, I'd like to thank you for bringing me on to promote my official Kelly Harris telethon to buy a fiend belt so I can cut a hole in the mouth and put my dick out of it like a tongue. <laughs> well, how much is that thing again? For? It's like $6,500, right? Yeah, $6,500. So I, I want everybody listening to understand this. You can go to Japan and see good wrestling for like half the price of the fiend belt. But John, uh, Tom Savini signs the Fiend belt. Oh, okay, um, that makes it worth it. <laughs> They're all custom made. Custom made. Every single one. All. I. I wonder if I. If it would be cheaper if I'd be like, "Hey, could you make one for my cat?" <laughs> and like, it's fucking is, hideous too. Oh, it's, it's so it's bad. The ugliest. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It's not even like you wouldn't even look theoretically cool wearing no. it. I'm like, what do you? I, I don't know. People, this world is mad. Like anyone who spends sixty five hundred dollars on that should go directly to a special prison for like <laughs> incredibly rich perverts. Like, I would really like go. to know the num like how many of those they end up selling. I would love to know that. It's, it's just really bizarre. But hey, Kelly, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. And also joining us from the uh, acclaimed Wednesday War Games Pod. Uh, that probably sounds sarcastic, but it means sarcastic. It's a great show. I listen to it most weeks. Mr. Garrett Kidney. 
Yeah, award winning. If WWE can pretend that they have awards, we can pretend <laughs> we have awards too. Okay, here's the award. Ready? Yeah. Best NXT versus AEW podcast on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, not kind of Patreon. I'll take it. I was hoping you'd at least say best NXT against uh, AEW podcast, but apparently we have to limit it to the network on which there are no other AEW NXT podcasts. Add the qualifier of with international hosts, and I think you're good. And you you basically said, without including the Patreon, you prefer Joe's coverage. All right, right, John. It's fine. Look, Joe gets so... um, like fired up about ratings and it's very entertaining. <laughs> like just to hear a man just scream about quarter hours where all of a sudden and he does that like silent loud thing. Like he's a fucking, I don't know, like a post rock band or something. So all, <laughs> you, you'll be sitting there. You'll be sitting there like, okay, there's nothing. There's nothing. And then suddenly go, Oh, point two five. It ain't paid to 49. Like he just be screaming. And you're like, Oh my God, buddy. That's why I love listening to Joe Lanza solo podcasts on double the speed. Because uh, then it's even more sudden. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know they, they have those, like, apps that, like, will just take out the the silences, right? So I've never tried listening to, like, with that. Like, I think Joe Gagne does that, I think he said once. And, like, it must just be one solid block of screaming. Like, there's no problem. <laughs> it's just, like, him just screaming at you for, like, a solid, like, 20 minutes or whatever. So. And then, like, a calm, like, Manscaped ad or something. <laughs> Well, not on the Patreon. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funnier to me that he does it on the solo shows because, like, he's by himself in a room <laughs> just shouting, Point oh four three five. <laughs> it's one thing when he's shouting at Rich, but, like, on his own, shouting into a microphone, all these. That's wonderful. Joe does get, like, a thousand percent more fired up when he's by himself. Rich is a moderating yeah, influence. He calms everybody down. Yeah. <laughs> it is something. But, uh, but yeah, so the Wednesday War Games pod, Garrett, plug it. Yeah, you can find it every Thursday morning on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, where me and my good friend Liam Jones talk about AEW and NXT and then decide who is better. NXT finally won a week, so not only did they win the ratings war, they also won the creative war for the first time. So they have that going for them. So you both agreed then, right? Because, I mean, I haven't listened to this week's episode yet. Because otherwise, the poll always votes for AEW. The poll the poll was 51%, 49% AEW this week. I was, like, wow. It actually gave me, it gave me faith in the poll because there was a week where, like, there was a clear difference between the shows this week. NXT was a much better show. And the, the poll somewhat reflected that, kind of. Yeah, the problem is that nobody watches NXT, I guess. Yeah. But... So I should not delete NXT from my DVR without watching then. It's it's for once a show in which I watched it and didn't want to uh, claw my ears off, so that helped. Okay, so because I was actually able to DVR it this week, because normally, you know, I can DVR two things at once, and AEW wins the other slot, so it comes down to either NXT or Riverdale, and Riverdale clearly beats NXT every week, but Riverdale wasn't on this week, so I was actually able to DVR NXT. Yeah, I haven't seen Punky Archie. Yeah, because let me tell you something, Riverdale, best show on TV. (laughs) I haven't seen a single second of NXT since it moved to USA, so I can't really offer much in this conversation. But Let's talk about Riverdale. Really have... John, you should uh, watch Riverdale. I know okay. it's not anime, but I think you'd enjoy it. Are you watching any anime this season, Kelly? Um, Nowhere near as much as I'd like. I tried watching... I watched the first episode of that uh, Demon School series, and I enjoyed that. I need to go back to it. 
I was gonna watch that uh, wrestler isekai show, but then I found out it's on Funimation. I don't feel like paying for another anime app, so I didn't watch that. <laughs> you can sail the seven seas, sir. <laughs> That's true. I should just do that. And then I started Vinland Saga, but then there was like, hey, we have three episodes, and then there was nothing, and I just forgot about it. Mm. So you're not watching My Hero Academia this season? That's right. I do watch that. Yeah. No, that's great. I just saw, I just watched this week's episode. It was awesome. Like I right still need, before we recorded. I was going to watch. I was saving it for uh, right after we do the show. <laughs> yeah. it's so, It was so good. The They really start rushing into the Yakuza gang hideout. That series um, somehow keeps getting better. Yeah, it's really good. It's a the first like I don't know, like the first traditional like shonen I've loved this much in a long, long time. So Yeah. I wasn't a big I wasn't a big Naruto person, so I know some people love that show, but Yeah, I've never been um, a Naruto guy. Um and then the other thing I'm watching this season that I really love is the the average Izakai, as I call it, with the really, really long name that's like uh, didn't I tell you to make my abilities average in the next life or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The show, show is awesome. I haven't seen this week's episode yet, but it's really, really good. So, I mean, it's like not, it's one of those shows that does not take itself too seriously at all. So, like, you know, you'll get these, you'll get like a really long backstory of one of the characters that, like, you know, involves her, uh, you know, her parents being killed and then also the people who took her in being killed. And it's like, you know, it's very sad that it cuts back to the the scene of them all telling the story. The other two characters are like, oh, and she's like, "That's all. That's all your reaction is like, oh." But it's really, yeah. it really like the whole thing is a setup for a gag joke of like how they don't, they didn't, they barely reacted because it's pretty normal for the world they're in. But yeah, every season I look at the list of stuff coming out, and every season I'm disappointed that there isn't a new season of a new game coming. Because God damn it, I ever, love that show. Did you ever watch Madoka or no? Uh no. Well, if you I was gonna say if you have seen Madoka, definitely do not miss the upcoming spinoff of January because I saw the first two episodes a couple weeks ago at Anime NYC and that was incredible. So Yeah, that's one I always mean to watch, but I'm never because I aren't there like multiple series? No. It's twelve no? episodes. Okay. It's, 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 yeah, it's either it's twelve episodes and then there's also three movies. But the okay. first two movies, the first two movies are recaps of the twelve episodes. So you don't have to watch them. Oh, you can just okay. you can you can either watch the three movies or you can watch the twelve episodes and the third movie, which is actually new. So, okay, I think I just saw all the listings of the movies and the series and thought it was multiple series. Okay, yeah, so it's not that hard, um, but definitely worth catching up with and then watching the new show when it starts airing in January because the the first two episodes are incredible. Very exciting. Okay. I've been watching uh, the Pokemon Sun and Moon <laughs> anime. That's my, like, I'm playing video games and I need something out of the background show. And uh, the most recent episode I watched made me cry, so there we go. <laughs> it was uh, real sad. They An old an old Pokemon actually died. Mm. Well, they, don't, they don't fuck around some of these, like, even kiddie shows. In yeah. Japan, so. Garrett, I know you're not an anime person, right? Do you have anything to add to anime talk? Anime is the NXT UK of media. <laughs> okay, sure. I thought you watched something recently. No, I've been watching. Like... Liam has been Liam, uh, my, my podcasting co-host, has been forcing me to watch Naruto, or as I have coined, Garuto. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, 
I probably watched some Pokemon, but only dubbed Pokemon because who needs should... to read while you watch television? Gary, <laughs> so you should watch. Better. You should watch the Sun and Moon anime. I think you'd actually really enjoy it. I started a website at one stage reviewing every episode of the Pokemon anime, and I got like twenty episodes in and gave up. I should. I still have the domain. I should keep that going. Oh. So you watch? Oh yeah, Netflix I remember stuff. you doing that. I was very excited about that. <laughs> I'll get back to it. I, as I said, I'm still paying for two separate web domains for that. <laughs> wow, it's a, it's a lot of domains. All right, let's get into the WWE talk. As excited as I'm sure we all are to do so. Um, first of all, the very first thing I want to talk to two of you about because you've obviously watched a lot more WWE than me this year. Um, you know the main reason why you're both here and the, the reason why I wanted to invite you back on is because you both like finally gave up on doing these pay-per-view reviews. Uh, I know Kelly, how many in a row did you do before you gave up after Hell in a Cell? It was like some insane number. It was a lot, not as many as I thought to be honest, because I was going through the reviews and it turns out I didn't do the elimination chamber review in February because I was mm-hmm. in New York at the time. So it's not as much, if you take that out, it's a much bigger number, but eh, well, just how many did you, like what, where'd you go back to not counting that? Um, I want to say I started in like mid 2016 doing WWE reviews. Okay. So other than skipping one show because you're on vacation. Yeah, you did I did every pay- all those except for like the uh, Saudi shows. Yeah. Which we don't cover on the website because it was a good website. Um, but yeah, mid 2016, all the way to the hell in a cell and it finally broke you. Yep. And Garrett, you didn't do all of those, but you did a lot right before hell in a cell. Yeah. I would have been covering them. What I started in 2015 and I wouldn't have covered them all if in 2015, 2016, because believe it or not, back then you actually got people to cover pay-per-views. <laughs> you didn't yeah. actually require the same two people to do it every month. There'd be like a panel of six or seven. I'd be like, I don't need to do the WWE pay-per-view this month because uh, Taylor has it, or, or Rich has it, or Rob McCarron has it, or any one number of, or Ward Taylor has it. Any number of these people would have covered WWE pay-per-views before it slowly broke every single... I watched, I can't remember the show, but I went back and read Voices of Wrestling pay-per-view review, in which there were seven people on the review. <laughs> Jesus. That's absurd. I know. You, we can't even get people to cover these damn shows anymore. Me and Kelly were broken by the same show. At the same show, we're just like, nah, we yeah. can't do this anymore. In my notes, I have the Fiend versus Seth, the breaking of Garrett and Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Survivor Series was an interesting one because I, I, you know, volunteered to do it just so I could watch some WWE. But before that, it was looking all week like it was going to be like maybe one person. And we finally did get three at the end. But uh, but yeah, for people who don't know, we we do these assignments on the, uh, the Voice of Wrestling Slack. So basically, Rich just posts a show and is like, okay, who wants to preview and who wants to review it? And like getting anyone to do these WWE, to volunteer for the WWE preview or review is just like pulling teeth for the last, like, what, like year and a half, I'd say? Yeah. It's been a long time. So Yeah, it would just be me like rolling in, like, Rich, slap me on there. All right, maybe someone else will join. And then someone and would Rich like. Rich would tell you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone would come in, like, I don't know, maybe the Friday before, and we're like, ah, I don't have anything going on. I'll do it. And then they would always, almost always regret that decision. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it got increasingly bad. But now, finally, Hell in a Cell broke the two of you. So. Yup. 
as we're going to get to when we get through the month by month. But before we do the month by month, what I really want to talk about is a topic I've talked a lot about on Twitter, a topic that honestly is the most confounding thing in modern wrestling to me. What the fuck is wrong with these WWE crowds? What is going... Like, I don't... I, I really don't understand it. I understand it to a degree. Like, I get that they... The shows are terrible. They've killed these crowds. You know, fine. For a long time, it was like the, the crowd would start hot and they would die within a few matches because the fucking show sucked. And, you know, they, it would be like, okay, of course, the shows are bad. So they stopped reacting or they started acting goofy or they did their own buzzer in that fucking match with Death, with, D, with uh, Dolph and Seth. That I understood. You know, I, like they came to the show. They wanted it to be good. Maybe they maybe they were unsure about it, but they turned on the show. Now it's like it's like Survivor Series, which is the, the, the last – I watched that show. I reviewed it on the website. 13,000 people came to the show, and the, the opening match started, and they were dead silent. 13,000 people came – to the show, and when, it's not like they started off hot or started off into it, and the, and the bat show being bad killed them. They started off dead. So what? Like I just want to understand the mindset. You guys have watched all these shows. Maybe you. That's why I'm hoping you have some answers for me. What the fuck is with these crowds buying a ticket when these tickets are not cheap? By the way, going to these shows and being dead from the moment the opening match starts. If you don't. If you're not going to react to anything, if you do not like what you're seeing like immediately and you don't really want to be there, why are you buying a ticket and going to the show? What the fuck is up with WWE Crabs? Garrett, give me some answer here. Please, I beg you. <laughs> there, are, there are two answers to this question. The first is WWE for the last 20 years has been the only show in town. Yeah, for, for the vast, vast, vast majority of people, Wrestling and WWE are interchangeable words. You know, if you say we're going to the wrestling, they mean WWE. Like, th there's no such thing as Ring of Honor or Impact or Evolve or PWG to the vast majority of these W. Like, these parents taking their kids to these shows don't know about any of that. So for so long, like, it's it's just wrestling. That is wrestling to them. There's nothing outside the scope of WWE. All of their 700 different television shows encompass all of wrestling. So when they're like, I want to go to wrestling, they go to WWE. When wrestling is in town, they go to WWE. Now, why do they not make noise? That's a, that's a much longer, more complicated answer. Because for so long, for, I don't know, WWE has been really, really bad for two, two years now, give or take, maybe three. Like, if you go back to 2016, where, like, the booking kind of sucked, and there's stuff that's not great. But, you know, you usually get some pretty good wrestling. You get good Roman Reigns and AJ Styles matches back in 2016 and people like that. But in the last two years, it's just become terrible. Like, it's just become flat out, utterly terrible. It's borderline unwatchable at times. Like, What's like the turning point? What's the turning point? Give me a turn. Uh, I think it's gender. I, re yeah. I really think, like, gender, yeah. gender is the point at which people were like, this is just bad. There's like, there's when they sacrifice Shinsuke Nakamura to Jinder Mahal, you're like, nah, you've, you, you've totally lost touch with both your audience and what the hell you're trying to do with this company. But over and over and over again in those last two years, they punished investment. Because if you watch NXT War Games in, I, it was the same building, right? Yeah. I believe so. In the same yeah, building the night before, you see a crowd that is invested in those characters, invested in those matches, invested in those people, except that uh, Killian Dunn 
uh, Killian Dane, Pete Dunne, and Damien Priest match that went 75 hours. Other than that, they were super duper invested into in the, in that show and that characters in those characters because NXT consistently over and over again since. 2014 or whenever we had the kind of real modern NXT has rewarded investment. You know, you get good stories, you get good matches. It might not always be your cup of tea, but like Gargano and Ciampa was voted for every match of the year reward up and down the, the, the internet. But then you go to WWE and they don't reward that investment. In fact, they actively punish it. That's like, that's hell. That was hell in a cell top to bottom. It's like, if you invested in this, well, screw you because it's terrible. If you invested in The Fiend, people loved The Fiend. The Fiend was like super over. He's like, oh, it's the best thing in WWE. And like, visually, The Fiend is pretty cool. He does that cool entrance with the head lantern, which is objectively pretty cool. It's been some pretty good imagery. But at the end of the day, The Fiend is just Bray Wyatt. And Bray Wyatt will always disappoint you in the end. And Bray Wyatt has as is in the, the entirety of his history, disappointed people in the end, and it punishes investment. So every time they punish investment, people are harder and harder and harder and harder to get into things. Because stuff has to be really, really like the burden of something being good for people to invest in it gets higher. That bar gets higher, that bar gets higher, that bar gets higher, until like you, like this, I think they, they really got into like the Survivor Series Elimination match, the men's one. Because it was like the match made no sense on a booking level, but like it was a really good wrestling match. It was like high spots and good moves. It was cool. So yeah, there's your answer, John. WWE very big and popular. They have like economies of scale and institutional advantages that nobody else has, and they punish investment. So they get people in the building, but those people don't give a shit. Kelly, do you have anything to add to this explanation? I think a lot of it also comes down to habit. It's just yeah. people see WWE's coming to town. They're like, oh, I got I'll buy a ticket. And then they instantly regret it, but they still go. Like, I talk to people at my work about this all the time. Whenever WWE comes to town, they're always like, oh, did you get a ticket? And then my response is always like, what? No, why? And they go, oh, I got one. And it was pretty cheap. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. And then they go to the show, and I see them the next day, and I'm like, hey, how was, how was the show? And they're like, ah, not very good. I probably won't go again. And WWE comes to town again, and they buy a ticket. That's just how it goes. They just always do that. And then, like, sometimes I'll talk to these same people. And I'll be like, hey, uh, AAW, uh, AAW is coming to uh, Turner Hall. You should you should go. It'll be a good time. And they're like, ah, $30 ticket for, like, second row. Can't do that. I'm like, what? But this is actually going to be a good show you'll probably like. Ah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it it just all comes down to habit, I think. It's just, this is what you do. You go to WWE, and I don't know, maybe you enjoy it, you probably don't, but then, you know, you just go and you forget about it by the next time they come around just because you want it to be good. You want to have, like, that nostalgic feeling of probably the first time you went to a show when you were a kid, and you're like, this is awesome, I love this. And, yeah, you just can't get that back. It's not going to happen, no matter how many times you try. Have you looked at WWE House show cards recently? Oh, God, no. Oh, they're dire. Like, they're just... There's, like, maybe two matches on those cards that you're like, oh, yeah, that'll be okay. And then the rest of it is just, like, Carmelo matches and Ortruth matches and, like, Zack Ryder matches. And you're like, oh, how do you have that much talent? And yet these cards look so atrocious. Yeah, I mean, you could... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You could really make an argument that they have one of the most talented rosters in wrestling history right now. And just it, they don't, they don't utilize it. Like they're just, it's shit. 
<laughs> the whole show is shit all the time. Uh, okay, so it's here's what they here, Can I give the house show cards? Because they really are amazing. Okay. Yes. Our, from Little Rock, Arkansas, November 29th. Alistair Black against Buddy Murphy. That that sounds good. That's probably Murphy. really good. Um, um, how the hell do you pronounce Alberto Carrillo, right, or something? I, I don't even watch Ross. So I don't know. I think so. He defeat he defeats Andrade. That sounds like it could be good. That's probably really. Then good. we have then we have Becky versus Charlotte. No contest. Becky and Charlotte beat the Kabuki Warriors. Uh, Drew McIntyre beats Cedric Alexander. The Viking Raiders beat the OC and the Street Profits. And Seth beats Kevin Owens by DQ. Yes, yeah, a di- disqualification in your house show main event. That's oh, they necessary. love doing that because then it'll end with like Owens putting Seth through a table or something or whoever, and then I I don't even know who's the face in that. Who's who's the good guy in that feud? Yeah, I'm not really sure, honestly. So like I mean, whoever's that, that the good guy. Doesn't sound- that doesn't sound awful, but then look at like yeah. the, ha- the house show in Germany. It's like, okay, uh, from November 15th. Becky Lynch beats Lacey Evans for the women's title. Oh, the Street oh. Profits beat Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Oh, Titus man. O'Neil beats Shelton Benjamin. Oh, Kevin, uh. Kevin, Kevin Owens beats Shelton Benjamin. Uh-huh. I don't know why Shelton had to work twice, but okay. Uh, Ricochet beats AJ Styles by DQ in US title match. Ugh. And then we get the Ricochet and the Viking Raiders against the OC. They really love these impromptu tag matches now, I guess. It's like Paul Hammond booking. Uh, Natalia beats Sarah Logan. Rusev Ugh. beats Lashley by DQ. Oh. And then Seth Rollins beats Drew McIntyre in a street fight. What a main event. Ugh. So. God, imagine yeah. going to that. They don't even give you finishes. They can't no. even give yeah. you finishes on a house show that no one else is seeing. Why can't you just pin people? Why can't you have AJ pin Ricochet? Like, the argument there is that, like, oh, the, the fans will be upset that the babyface loses. I think the fans will be more upset at getting a DQ finish. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so some of these house shows sound okay. Some of them sound fucking awful. And mm-hmm. that one definitely sounded fucking awful, so... Uh, and the, yeah, I'm looking at these house show cards. A lot of them just do have disqu- a lot of disqualifications. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if you make me choose, I'm going to a house show over a TV taping any day of the week. I'm so those happy. those TV tapings are miserable. I'm happy I've never gone to a three hour raw. Last raw I went to was in 2012, which would have been the two hour era. And like, I can't imagine the the pacing of a three hour raw, which is like 10 minutes, four minute break, 10 minutes, four minute break, 10 minutes, four minute break, over and over and over. Oh, actually, remember this year when they didn't allow wrestling during ad breaks? Wasn't that wild? Yep. Yep. Didn't they they stop that finally, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a good three months there in the summer where they're like, we can't allow I don't know Vince got it in his head apparently that sports doesn't continue during the break so why should we I think that was the logic at the time so yeah, there, yeah. There, was, there was just bizarre two or three falls matches and like matches stopping and starting again and it was such a strange period that they were like destroying the format of their television show so that they wouldn't allow wrestling during a commercial break oh what a what a weird but like in like four years people are going to find that period and be like what the hell happened that summer <laughs> And the funny thing is, going through that, when I was going through our reviews, there was a bit when during that period where there was a commercial break on one of the pre-shows, and they just wrestled through it, <laughs> wrestled through it. And I was like, "What the? What happened?" It's That's only awesome. television, apparently. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say was uh, these. Oh God, no, I actually lost my train of thought. But um, when it comes to WWE in 2019, um, like you guys were saying with the TV. 
we don't really have a ton to say about the TV, probably because none of us watched that much of it. But I do no, want to give a special shout can't. out to. I want to give a special shout out to Friday Night SmackDown after the move to Fox for being fucking dog shit still and killing the yeah. audience in like two weeks or whatever. Because what did they go for? It went from like four million to two point seven million within like three weeks. Yeah, I mean, like I watched those. I watched the first couple episodes. The first episode was like. I don't know. It was like every WWE show you've seen in the past few years. It wasn't like awful, yeah, it was nothing it was special. Like, yeah, it, there was like no difference to make you think, oh, this is going to be good now. It's just like okay, whatever. And then like week two was that awful draft episode that like I don't know, like they the drafts can be fun. You know, that used to be like one of the few things on weekly TV over the years that like was kind of fun. You know, the original draft where everybody comes to the podium and you know, picking people. That was actually kind of interesting. And then you have those, you know, randomized drafts where, like, a, a guy would beat a guy and then win a pick for the brand and the, the, the fucking roulette reel wouldn't spin and it would land on a guy and that guy would go to the other brand, which was, you know, at least had, like, something. It was, like, it was kind of exciting to watch. Here it was like, okay, Stephanie McMahon's going to come out to the podium and she's going to slowly read names for both brands. I'm like, what the who the fuck decided on this format? This is like the worst of both worlds. It's like you have only one person at the podium, so you don't have representatives from either show. Um, it, it, the way she was reading them was just so fucking boring. I'm, I just I was watching this like I can't imagine being a new fan and being like, what the fuck is going on? And and almost everyone she was drafting was on this the show already anyway. There was like for every pick she was making because they were redrafting the entire roster, but like. Out of every 10 people, maybe one would be going to a new show. So it was just like, it was awful, like on every single level. I'm just like, I, I turned it off because it was like, I, I can't imagine like watching this. It was just so bad. John, you um, can't forget that the Fox football robot was there. <laughs> yes, that's true. The Fox football robot. I mean, that, that the things, the shit they're doing where they're like, they, they're doing shit that's so stupid, where it's like, okay, at least if you're going to be horrible. At least be funny, horrible. That I yeah. appreciate. Like they they yeah. can at least, if they want to be funny, bad, that's better than being like brutally boring, bad. So sure, be funny, bad. Put the football robot in there. Have have a good time with it. Fine. Yeah, I but hope like he's in. The, I hope he's in the Royal Rumble. Like that would be the amazing. Fucking football robot should have came out and read the picks or something. Like yeah, they, like Stephanie standing there slowly reading these picks. It was just so terrible. Uh, and yeah, I think I the only other SmackDown episode I watched was the. The War Stranded in Saudi Arabia NXT invasion episode, which was really good. And, you know, it's, it's hilarious that they can only put on good, like, legitimately good television when, like, all their fucking plans get thrown out of, uh, get thrown, you know, into the abyss. It's almost like the roster is good, but the TV is really overscripted and overplanned and fucking drains any possible fun out of it. So when you can't follow those plans, it's good. But the funny Amazing. thing about that is they throw out their script seemingly every week, like an hour before the show. So uh, it's like, still... how different was this from normal, you know, in the creative process? Besides, Vince yeah. couldn't have all of his toys there for his stupid cuck stories. So he's like, all right, now I, I fucking, I don't know, go out there and have a match, I guess. <laughs> Goddamn, pal, that's good shit. Maybe, maybe you could cuck him. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we uh, forgot to mention about the draft. Remember when they accidentally spoiled the results on WWE.com? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. A company really has shit together. 
When you guys are talking about like going to shows, when's the last time you went to a WWE show, by the way? For uh, me, it was 2008. Um, let me look. I went to a SmackDown a few years ago because my parents wanted to go, and I was like, I'll take a free ticket. Why not? I, I, turned down, I have turned down multiple free tickets since 2008, mostly of TV tapings, where I'm just like, no, I do not want to go see Raw on Long Island. Thank you very that much. That was July 7th, 2015, I went. Wow. Okay. I went to WrestleMania in 2012, and I would have went to the Raw after WrestleMania. So the the last time I went to WWE television is when Brock Lesnar returned. Wow. Yeah, it's (laughs) been a while. I've also been to two uh, NXT house shows, though. I don't know if that counts. It does. I mean, it's WWE. Yeah. Then I've been to that within like the past two years, but I'm never going again until they move venues because. They've way outgrown the venue there in in Milwaukee, and you just felt like you were uh, you were a sardine, like yeah. it sucked. Um, the other thing I want to, I guess, before we move on from the crowds, I mean, the the thing I noticed again watching Survivor Series was, you know, you would have these matches like the the biggest example to me was Shinsuke versus Roderick versus AJ, but they were doing some legitimately cool stuff, and the match was pretty good. Like a, I, I went three and a half stars on it, like a good match, and the crowd just gave them nothing. I mean, didn't react at all for any of it. And it's like, it's not enough even to have like a good match now to get a reaction of these crowds. You either have to be one of the very few people they still can bring themselves to care about. Like Daniel Bryan is a big one, as we saw in the feed match, or Brock Lesnar, uh, or a few other people. Or you have to like do so much fucking like crazy shit. Like that Adam Cole Pete Dunn match where they. You know, the crowd didn't give a fuck for a long time. And then they started, like, you know, slapping and chopping each other. And then, like, kicked, I think, uh, Colk gave Dunham a super kick out of a moonsault. So, like, really, like, crazy stuff. And that finally got the crowd to react a little bit. And then Cole hit the fucking destroyer on the apron, which the crowd did finally cheer for. So you have to, like, kill yourself, basically, to get any reaction. It's, to me, they've become what people said Japan was like yes. six yes. years ago. I mean, like Japanese crowds now, like there's this, there's this whole, um, well, you know, they're Japanese very, crowd. they're very quiet. They don't really clap or cheer yeah. or anything. They, they just, by the likes of Chris Jericho, who didn't get over in Japan, by the way, that's neither <laughs> there. That's fine. And the young box, the young box. Anyway, like that, that, that was, that all came from American wrestlers who went to Japan, got no reaction, didn't get over. It's like, they're a very respectful, reserved crowd. That's why they don't cheer for me. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave Meltzer's out there like, oh, the New Japan crowd is one of the harder crowds. They're actually one of the easiest crowds in the world. Yeah. They fucking cheer for everything. If you watch a, you you can watch the, the fucking World Tag League, the one of the least prestigious, least important tournaments any company runs. You turn on a World Tag League Cork, and, and that crowd is going insane for Manabu Nakanishi doing like slow motion clotheslines. That crowd <laughs> is cheering louder for Manabu Nakanishi doing slow motion clotheslines in a World Tag League undercard match that WWE crowds are going for most main events. And it's like, yeah, this is a very, very easy crowd. They're into everything the promotion gives them. And that's because the promotion, like, just it usually doesn't insult their intelligence. It usually doesn't, um, you know, have a bunch of results that mean nothing. So it's it's much more easy to be invested in the promotion. Obviously, WWE does the exact opposite of that, and it's very difficult to be invested in the promotion. But you know, at, at the same time, I'm ready. Now. I think it's gone so far now that I'm start like I'm starting to like watch these shows and actually just be pissed at these crowds. I'm like, 
yeah, you know, I get it. I get that you that these shows often suck. I get that there's no reason for investment. But like, like Shinsuke Nakamura kneeing people in the gut is cool. You can cheer yeah. a little bit. You don't have to be completely fucking silent from the opening bell. So that now, like to me, like we're going the other way with these crowds. We're like they're so awful that it almost starts to make me feel bad for the wrestlers in the ring. Where it's like they, you can react a little bit. You don't have to fucking be dead silent here. Do you think WWE crowds would be better if the shows were just all promos and then one match where the dudes go out and kill themselves? I guess so. I I think they'd probably enjoy that a lot more because I think a lot of wrestling fans don't actually... WWE fans don't actually enjoy wrestling. I'd say WWE fans have been conditioned not to enjoy wrestling. Yes, absolutely. Well, they're like a cool moves crowd now, though. Like, they go nuts for, like, cool moves. They just don't yeah. care about, like, they don't care about, um, like, you put, you put like, a good match in front of them, which is, like, you know, good action and solid wrestling. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, they need, they need either, like, the few personalities they still connect with or, like, fucking kill yourselves, um, you know, and do, do crazy shit. I mean, I, Sefta, at Sefta Zayas on Twitter, there's a guy I've, followed for a long time. He tweeted recently about how, so there was like a hardcore match on 205 Live with Akira Tozawa and I think Brian Kendrick. And, you know, first of all, nobody's watching this anyway. They're doing fucking hardcore matches. Sure, that that, that makes sense. Wait, like this was recent? This is recent, yeah. They did that like last year. (laughs) Well, anyway. That was a whole thing. Maybe it was, I don't know if it was last year or this year. It doesn't matter for the story. So he's like, he's watching this match and he's like, they... They don't react to anything all night long. They finally start a We Want Tables chant during this fucking match. WWE crowds love tables. It's the only one of the few things that are over in this company. Yeah, that's and, uh, That pisses me off about just <laughs> American crowds as a whole with the We Want Tables chant. Like, fuck off. Just let them do the match. Like, who table, gives a shit table, what dumb fucking table, weapons you table. want to see? But wait, but hold on. It gets better. So, I don't remember which it was. Let's just say it was Kendrick tossing the chair at Tozawa. Kendrick full-on throws a chair at Tozawa's head when Tozawa does a dive. It's like a fucking full-on brain damage. And their crowd doesn't react. No. They don't react to full-on fucking head trauma. Concussions aren't even cool anymore. No, we want tables. That's the only thing they did was keep chanting we want tables. Concussions aren't enough. We want tables. Like, like, by the way, and that, that's another good point. The people who think this promotion is fucking safe or whatever, this promotion, like these matches, they're doing fucking, uh, Adam Cole took, what was it, a pile driver or something off the fucking top of the cage through two tables at yeah. NXT, and the next night is fucking doing Canadian Destroyers on the apron. This this is not a safe company anymore. No. They're doing it's crazy like, let's, shit. Let's talk about Adam Cole and how he's been working this insane <laughs> insane schedule with like what what does he have like a fractured wrist or something yeah oh, something. yeah so he's, he's been working all, injured he's taken he's taken all these crazy bumps non-stop and he's working every goddamn show i you know i said on twitter naito and ibushi i don't care what you think about the dominion match they have the next four nights off after that. Yep. Adam Cole takes a fucking move off the top of the cage through two tables, and the next night he's in an NXT title match. It's like, it's just insane. It's completely yeah. insane. But anyone who thinks that company is safe at this point, it, it I don't I don't know what to tell you. I mean, 
beyond the injury list and everything else. It's like, like they're just they're they're killing themselves yeah. to get like any reaction. But they, John, devote, they get I, to see their families more often. Yeah, yeah. sure. No, they, no, devote, they, they devote a weekly YouTube segment after NXT to who got hurt on NXT. <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Like, I do not understand that at all. Do I? It's absurd. It's like, look at look. Kushida's hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Velvet Fifteen Dream is hurt. He's going to be out for a while because it's the safe company. It's the storytelling company, John. They don't need to take big bumps they take <laughs> it easy because they tell stories they create oh. moments and that that's yeah. probably is why crowds don't react they've conditioned their audience that something needs a story to matter something needs promos to matter, which isn't the worst thing to condition like you should tell stories for your match your matches should yeah. be meaningful they should be part of stories they should pay off and then you get crowd reactions but they just stopped telling stories or whatever they tell is just nonsense gibberish that involve murder mysteries and roman reigns and like <laughs> that's that's why you get nothing from them because like we create moments. What was the last moment WWE created? Like Daniel Bryan winning the world title at WrestleMania like five years ago. I mean, oh, Kofi, that, I guess. that reminds me. I was watching, so I watched some of the past weekend stuff last night, so I could be ready to talk about it. So I watched the uh, women's war games match from NXT, and at one point. During that match, you, Nigel on commentary goes, "Oh, that was so close to becoming a moment." <laughs> and I, I almost threw my PS4 controller at the TV because that's the most important thing, Kelly. Create moments. Yeah, moments. Yeah. Well, right. that was like so there we... was. I distinctly remember there was a time. I can't. I want to say like someone won a title or something. And Michael Cole just inexplicably starts screaming, special moment, special moment. <laughs> I mean, they're a parody of themselves in so many ways. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it really is amazing. All right. Let's start going month by month now, because if we don't start now, apparently we'll never start. So <laughs> let's start with the Royal Rumble 2019 on January 27th. Uh, this is a pretty damn good show. And this is like the... The start of the, the start of WWE's year, it seems insane now to even say this, but like the first few months, it was like, hmm, maybe this is not going to be a bad year for them. Maybe they're going to turn things around because the first few, you know, these first group of pay-per-views, um, you know, I didn't see all of them, honestly, but like from what I saw, this show, I saw all of it. And, you know, there was some really good stuff here. The Asuka, Becky Lynch, SmackDown title match is really awesome. Uh, Brock and Finn Balor for the Universal title was awesome. Um, you know, Ronda and Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's title. A lot of people liked more than I did, but I still thought it was pretty good. So some good stuff on the show. There's also like Shane the Miz in the bar, which is pretty stupid. Uh, uh, hey, like, hey, we will not have Shane McMahon slander here. <laughs> the Shane uh, McMahon and the Miz feud is really one of the strangest things in WWE <laughs> is 2019. Just yeah. based on the fact that Shane McMahon won. Uh, rightfully so. He's the best in the world, Kelly. The Miz never got his comeuppance over the dastardly heel. Just Miz won. And that's something you don't see in WWE. You all, the heel, the face always ends up winning in the end. Hmm, I wonder what the difference here was. Yeah. Uh, Shane McMahon is but a yeah, also, That's the difference. I also <laughs> want to mention Daniel Bryan AJ Styles went 24 and a half minutes and felt like three times as long. So it's amazing that they managed to have a bad Brian Styles match, but they did. It was really bad. And the well, crowd actually, didn't care at all. You asked me about the turning point of WWE being bad. I think the 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 degree to which AJ has played a prominent role and the decline of AJ Styles, 
I think is also a bit of a prominent factor in WWE becoming bad because like AJ yeah. used to be. Uh, in theory, like th- the amount they put AJ in long main events on pay-per-view over the last two years, if you had told me in like 2012 that WWE was going to build their pay-per-views around AJ Styles matches like that, I'd be like, well, WWE are going to be in good order in 2019. But then AJ just kind of got bad. So you do a 25-minute yeah. AJ Styles Daniel Bryan match, which, uh, which on paper should be like, oh, match of the year contender. And Daniel Bryan has been very good this year. This isn't the problem with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is still great. AJ, not so much. Yeah. And AJ is my favorite uh, wrestler of all time. Like, it's it makes me so sad that AJ is bad now. And that, like, all of his matches are just slow-mo. Like, it, there was a three-month AJ Styles Ricochet program this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there sure was. In theory, should be a real cool thing that we get a bunch of AJ Styles and Ricochet matches, but they were just no good because AJ can is I, very slow. Can I give the ratings for this for on the Voice of Wrestling Review? Because this, this was amazing. Joe Abraham, one star. Griffin, mm. who Griffin, who gives everything five stars, <laughs> one and a half stars. Kelly didn't give a rating. Uh, <laughs> and I then, think I just posted a GIF of yeah something of an action an action figure. And then Paul oh, yeah, it's gave the it... Sting doing the jerk off motion. <laughs> and Paul gave it a dud. So there you go. Some re- I never thought you would see those kind of ratings from for an AJ Dana Bryan match on pay per view, but that's what happened. Um, the women's the, the two Rumbles. If there's anything problem with the show that really drags down a little bit, is neither Rumble was very good. No, um, you know the the women's Rumble was kind of just very. You know, very much just there and pretty bad most of the way until the end, which the end with Becky coming out was great, but before that was pretty bad. And the men's rumble was like fine. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it was a very like a lot of two and a half stars, two stars, three stars. Yeah. Uh, Griffin gave it three and three quarters, but that's Griffin. The highlight uh, of that <laughs> show for me was Asuka versus Becky Lynch for sure. Yes, that was a four and a quarter star. That's my. I think my second favorite WWE match of the year, which isn't saying much in this year, but it it was really really good. Yeah, I like the way uh, you just over Griffin's ratings. <laughs> well, he I, I'm sorry he I mean people say I have high ratings. He inflates everything. Well, so, God bless you, Griffin, if you're listening. But Griff, Griffin inflates matches so often that Rob Reed has coined Griffinflation for his. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Rob is the opposite. Rob is like anything. If, if like most people would go four and a half, Rob is like, oh, it was three and a quarter. I guess. Yeah. When I went, uh, when I went five stars on Mox versus uh, Omega, Griffin <laughs> responded and said, "Calm down, there, Griffin." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, so overall, you know, pretty much, for, if you're looking at stuff to go back and watch. Uh, you know, I'd say both women's title matches were good. The universal title match with Brock and Finn was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. I like that one. So there's enough good stuff here that it felt like a pretty good show by the end. But the Rumble matches are not going to go down as one of the best. Either one being very, you know, better Rumble matches of the year, uh, especially after the previous year finally had a pair of good Rumbles. So God, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable were a team this year. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like an age ago. And it's wild that they were wrestling against Razor and Scott Dawson. That's what's even happening on this. What's happening? Well, you had two tag teams where half of them both were injured. So they just slapped those other halves together <laughs> to work under their cards. Yeah, I don't have the, the thing I'm looking at does not include the pre-show. And I'm happy about that because who gives a fuck? <laughs> but yeah, we're a rumble. Let's move on to Elimination Chamber in February. Um 
Of course, this was the start of the big Kofi Kingston push and everything else. I didn't see this show at all, so as will become a theme for going through these, so I'm going to need you guys to take it. So, uh, Garrett, what do you think of the Elimination Chamber? Well, the, I was going to say the only thing I, I only really remember the Men's Chamber, which I remember being very, very good, and the Kofi the, the Kofi tease is very, very good, and people honestly wanted Kofi to win the belt, and that's why Kofi won the belt the next month. But yeah, the Elimination Chamber is great. The other thing that catches my eye on the show is that the Bailey and Sasha Banks, the boss and Hulk Connection were crowned the inaugural WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And that oh, went yeah. so well this year, didn't it? Yeah. Wow. I'm looking through, I'm scrolling through these, these like through the results and these ratings, and like nobody liked anything except for the main event. So yeah. I guess it was kind of a one match show. What'd you, what, anything to add about the Elimination Chamber, Kelly? I honestly don't remember a ton about this. I just remember the final elimination chamber was good, and uh, the Usos beat Miz and Shane, another chapter in the uh, the great saga of Miz and Shane McMahon. Did they do yeah. a turn here? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think it happened I, yet. I think it was Fastlane after the yeah. Usos beat them. Yeah. So, uh, they have not a lot to say there other than the start of the Kofi push, which, remember, was accidental. It's supposed to be uh, yeah. Ali there. So which every, pretty much everything good in WWE in the last like half decade has been a total accident, which is kind of funny. And they've ruined, uh, every, they've ruined it every <laughs> single time. Uh, March 10th, Fastlane 2019. Um, this show, uh, the only thing I saw was the main event. Uh, you know, the sh- I, w- I was a big enough fan of The Shield to want to see the little reunion match here before uh, Dina Ambrose left. And I remember enjoying the match, uh, The Shield defeating Corbin, Lashley, and Drew. I remember it being more fun than I expected going in, which, you know, like a three and a half star type match, which is pretty damn good for a WWE main event at this point for me. I remember um, that feeling a lot like one of those matches you'd get after a Raw taping. Like, it was just kind of fun. Yeah. It was like a crowd pleaser. Like, yeah. it wasn't, there wasn't a ton to it, but like, it was fun for what it was. Um, any thoughts on the rest of the show, Kelly? Um, well, this show had another chapter in the saga of the Miz and Shane McMahon, where this was the turn. Uh, and I remember actually liking this match a decent amount because you saw them lose because Miz tried to be like Shane too much and try like high risk spots, and it, you know, it just just blew up in his face. And then Miz beat the shit, or Shane beat the shit out of the Miz, and then slapped his dad. <laughs> And I um, am way into watching the Mrs. Dad get slapped at any possible time because that is just a hilarious looking man. I, un- yeah. I unironically like Shane McMahon. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. I enjoy Shane McMahon. He's I do enjoy him at times. Oh, I, it's okay. So I wrote, here's something I forgot until I just read the review. I think I did watch this because it was something. The bar defeating Kofi Kingston. As yeah, good yeah. as the Kofi thing went, most of the way, they still managed to fuck it up here and had, you know, the hot baby face in a match with the crowd chanting boring. Yeah, that's I mean, like, this was like, wow. I mean, it's something no one remembers because the, the Kofi thing ended up paying off so well at Mania, but like the buildup, you know, really wasn't that great. Oh, it was, was like terrible. a lot of like, it was a lot of like, oh, here's another thing you gotta do, Kofi. Oh, now you gotta go through this Kofi. Now this Kofi. And he just loses too in this handicap match. So it's like, okay. The actual build up to Kofi winning the title sucked. 
Like he had, yeah. he had a great performance in that gauntlet. He had a great performance at Elimination Chamber, and he had a great performance at WrestleMania. Everything that was actually like put on Kofi, Kofi killed it. But yeah. like, the booking sucked. Like I look, I watched this show, and I'm like. I don't remember Asuka against Mandy Rose. I don't, actually, no, I do kind of remember that revival against Alistair Black, Ricochet, Bobby Roode, and Chad Gable. I remember that being really good. But the only thing that sticks out in my mind on the show is that Bar and Kofi Kingston match because they basically squashed him. <laughs> it's yeah. like they, did, they didn't even get like hope spots in that match. They just went out there and they beat him. And then it's like, oh, well, I, I guess he'll win the title shot some other time. <laughs> it is really, really, really yeah. bizarre. So even, and even I do... when they do something good, they still got to fuck it up somehow. Yeah, and I do really remember the uh, the Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali match being really good, too. Yeah, there's a couple matches here that seems like you guys liked. That one and also the, the four-way for the U.S. title with Joe, Mysterio, Andrade, and R-Truth. So. Yeah, that was pretty decent. That was before R-Truth was only comedy 24-7 title, man. They were like, hey, let's actually let you have a match. Yeah. So it looks like there was some good stuff on this show, but then even then... You know, there was still some stuff that was a disaster. So, uh, and then we get to WrestleMania 35, which was, um, is it, was it 35? I don't even know. Yes, 35. Um, this was, this was like probably the best WrestleMania they've done in years and years and years. And yeah. that still involves the crowd being dead for one, two, three, four, five, six straight matches. Cause yep. pretty, pretty much you have the show starts with Seth beating Brock in two and a half minutes, which, you know, his title reign turned out to be a complete disaster, but at least, uh, you know, it had a that was a cool moment, I guess. Um, you know, it has a surprisingly fun AJ Orton match, a decent four way tag title match where they all went out there and, you know, just had a really fun, like, 10 minute match. Uh, that Shane Miz Falls Get Anywhere match, which was like it alternated between being kind of good and just really funny. So, yeah, that's, it was that's fucking fine. stupid, but I loved it for that. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the women's title four tag title four wasn't very good, but and had a really stupid ending with the Iconics wedding. But also, know, this is the point where my review partner Lee fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you go from that to the WWE title match, WWE's match of the year by a mile, Kofi beating Daniel Bryan to win the title, uh, which was like an amazing moment. The crowd was going nuts, and then the show keeps going for yep. six more matches. And the crowd is completely dead for like two and a half hours of the show. So again, this was the best WrestleMania in what, like five years, probably four years, a bunch yeah. of years. Which led to and, a lot of people calling it the best WrestleMania ever. Which yeah, was because absurd. they because they, they didn't know any better. Because I mean, like, yeah. what do you, what have you else have you seen? But like the best WrestleMania in like three or four years at least still involved a dead crowd for two and a half hours. Yep. That is amazing when you think about it. For everything after that, you know, Joe wins the US title in a minute, whatever. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, the most nothing match, yeah. you know, for like a build up WrestleMania match I can recall in a long time. I mean, they went 10 minutes. They just did absolutely nothing. The crowd didn't boo Roman. They didn't care. They just did nothing. I mean, completely nothing. And I had, you know, Kelly, in your review, you said you hope this would be the sleeper match on the show. Yeah, and I had the same hope because like Drew, Drew at one point was good, which sounds incredible now after the year he's had. But he was good at one point, and Roman's you know he can he can have some good stuff. You know he's a good wrestler when he you know plenty of matches. He has whatever you think of Roman Reigns, he he can come through with good with a good match plenty of times. And they just had a two star nothing match here, 
It was really bizarre for WrestleMania. Um, you know, the Triple H Batista no holds barred match. I like this match. I know a lot of people hated it, but yeah, it was fun. It was, at the end of the day, it was 25 minutes with a completely dead crowd. So that I can understand why people didn't think it was, uh, you know, that good. But like it had some crazy shit with like the nose ring and all this other shit. So that's fine. Uh, then we have Baron Corbin being Kurt Angle in six minutes as retirement. Did you guys remember that uh, Kurt Angle retired on this show? That's, that's <laughs> like his retirement run. The only <laughs> the only good thing about Kurt Angle's retirement run was when they did the callback spot with the Samoa Joe headbutt. That's yeah. the only thing in the entire like four months they built to his retirement. Like they've had Kurt Angle as an active wrestler on the roster for about what a year ish, a year and a half ish before he retired in this match, and they didn't do Kurt Angle against Daniel Bryan. They like the match <laughs> wouldn't have even been that good. Well, like we'll all accept that Kurt was a, a, a shadow. He was a shadow of even his older self. Like compare Kurt in 2019 to Kurt in 2016, and boy does he look an awful lot worse. But, yeah. Like they could have given us Daniel Bryan against Kurt Angle. They could have. They like they they really could. Remember when they did Kurt and AJ on SmackDown, and it was yeah. a minute long. Realistically, I think what they should have done here is put Chad Gable in the oh, Baron Corbin spot. Like yeah, it should have been a torch passing, one hundred percent. Instead, it was this. Yeah, uh, and but boy, look, he got that Baron Corbin over for his big run. So you gotta, you gotta sure did. Uh, the Intercontinental title, Finn Balor beat Lashley in four minutes. Sure, whatever. The uh, demon then, beat Lashley in four minutes. The demon. Sure. Oh, that's right. It was um, the demon. So is the demon gone now, by the way? We're just never going to see the demon again? It would be very think... strange for him to be like, I'm serious Finn Balor. The world, look at me. Also demon. I think <laughs> the, the fiend ate the demon. Mm, the fiend is the demon. Yeah. And then the main event, the three-way women's title match for both belts. I mean, I, you liked it, Kelly. You gave it three and three quarters. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. I think I went like three and a quarter on it. It wasn't bad, but the problem was, again, 21 minutes, dead crowd, seven-hour show. Yeah. Um, Should just, never, ever, 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 ever at any stage have been a triple threat match. No. And ended with a roll-up. I mean... A roll-up that had a shitty ending where maybe there was a fuck up maybe there wasn't who knows yeah yeah the the, the build to that match is one of the most baffling things <laughs> in the history of this company because like yeah. they, so they, give it to us Kara. What, what what was the build well they tripped and fell into becky lynch and ronda rousey but by again in typical WWE fashion by pure accident then Becky was ruled out by injury, and they, then like they had the hottest match in their company. It's like they, like they accidentally had the match called off whenever it was meant to be. It was a TLC yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, no, Nia Jax accidentally gave Survivor them. Theory. Yeah, Nia Jax accidentally gave them the hottest match in the company. And then they 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 had the the blessing that the match had to be called off. And then right there, you got your WrestleMania main event. You have Becky Lynch. You have Ronda Rousey. Big MMA star, the man, biggest star in the company. Which, by the way, the man came from a botched heel turn in the first place. Let's not, let's never forget that. But that <laughs> <laughs> Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble uh, as 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 what's her name, Ronda Rousey beats Sasha Banks, and like, all right, we're there. We have the champion. We have the... no Becky Lynch has to lose her title shot because she's too much of an ass kicker. She doesn't follow the rules. Then she faces Charlotte, who has been put in the match in her place. But if she faces Charlotte, it was it was either Fastlane or Elimination Chamber. We we I think it was Fastlane. We skipped over it. But if she faces Charlotte and she wins her way into that match, 
by disqualification. <laughs> That's how she got into the <laughs> WrestleMania main event. Charlotte was disqualified. Becky got her way back in. And then they did this shitty ass triple threat match. Well, it's not, it's fa- It's a gentleman's three in my book. It's I like, remember here, I remember hearing like the week to week. That's uh, yeah, absurd. Like, where there was like the arrest yeah. angles and yeah. they were dragged into cars by police and they're breaking out of cars. It's like, how did you get so far away from like you were dropped Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey in the hottest match in the company? You were dropped that on a silver platter to deliver to the masses at WrestleMania. And you're like, we got to get Charlotte in there. It's it's just, we just got to get Charlotte in there. <laughs> I don't want to stress, by the way, again, this is the good period yeah. for 2019. Yeah. This is when it was good comparatively. So, uh, yeah. But overall, I mean, look, this wasn't, I mean, this was a mid, like I would put this in the solid mid-tier of WrestleManias, which for, you know, 2019 WWE is pretty damn good. So, Gotta give them a shout out there. It it was not a show where I hated myself for watching it like the last few WrestleManias were. So that's <laughs> something. I, that's something, I guess. Oh, WrestleMania 35 was also the death of 205 Live. Yeah. Because you had the Tony Nese. That's when Tony Nese beat Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title. And then oh, 205 yeah. Live disappeared off the face of the earth in the Tony Nese Drew Gulak era. Yep. Well, it was never on the earth for me anyway, so like, either way. You at least had the period of 205 Live where you'd have like Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali having real good matches. So like it, it it's and, and like you had Kirtozawa and people like that there too, and Rich Swan going back even further. Like you at least have that period where they're there having good matches in front of silence, but they're still really good matches. And then like if you watch 205 Live now, it's just like Angel Garza and and what's his name? Arya Devari and people like that. And Jack Gallagher is still there for reasons beyond comprehension. <laughs> I don't know why it still exists, but I think this is the, the, we, we will officially mourn 205 Live after a big match Buddy Murphy lost the Cruiserweight title. Uh, I also want to mention here, let's just talk about this now because there's really no point in going month by month because all of the defenses are just so boring. Kofi winning the WWE title. Uh, awesome moment. Yep. The best what the best moment that he's done since the Daniel Bryan thing, probably. Yeah, spe- special That's moment. Right. Special moment. Special moment. What the fuck happened to this title reign? Uh then like, it just got bad. <laughs> what was I mean, I've people really like had trouble with this on Twitter where I'd see like it, it felt like every time like there's a contingent on Twitter who if you pointed out that the Kofi reign was bad, which I have to stress, it was really bad. I yeah, mean, it wasn't good at he was, all. He was coming out every month to, like, crickets. Like, you've never heard a WWE champion come out to less reaction. They weren't. They didn't boo him like they booed Seth and, you know, plenty of other champions over the years, uh, Bayface champions over the years. But they just didn't react at all. Like, there was no reaction. But if you point this out on Twitter, like, people would say you're racist, basically. Like, that <laughs> yeah. was the reaction. And, like, I, I understand because he's, you know, it's just – this black wrestler who won the title at WrestleMania in an awesome moment. I get it. But the title ring wasn't good. No. Now, was it like, necessarily worse? It could have been good. I will say, like, was the... it, there, was, there was like an extreme reaction. The other degree was like, oh, it's the worst title ring of all time. Like, no, I mean, it's probably not any worse than Jinder Mahal or like... No, no, I don't no, know. No. Some of these AJ reigns where there's nothing happened or whatever. But yeah. like, it still wasn't good either. No, because, and the thing with the Kofi one is, like, his feuds weren't good. He didn't really, like, the stories weren't good. The Randy Orton feud could have actually been really good, I think. If, 
I don't know what happened to it. Like the build wasn't bad. It was just the matches were, you know, typical. I ain't trying today, Orton. That like I I don't blame I don't blame Kofi at all because if you look at who he, who he worked with, he worked at Randy Orton, who is about as disinterested as humanly imaginable these days. Yeah. Then he worked with Samoa. Well, before that, he worked with Dolph Ziggler, who is about as irrelevant as humanly imaginable these days. Remember when those guys Dolph, like? He, I want to say he worked with Dolph Ziggler on multiple pay per views. Yeah, yeah. He, he did the Saudi show. Then they came back and did they did that yeah. very long cage match. And then he yeah. also oh, worked God, with Samoa Joe. Yeah. <laughs> he worked with Samoa Joe, who's like, like again, I love I love two thousand five Samoa Joe, but two thousand five Samoa Joe is a very long time ago. So like I, Kofi was was he he never had a chance. Like he was dumped with the most boring, disinterested challengers he could possibly have. He also never made evented. No, um, which is something like Money in the Bank. He did the semi main with Kevin Owens, it's the, the highest he got, where he worked right below the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, that match is, that match is pretty good, not great. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like probably his best title defense. Yeah, and it's the first one. And then you know after that he does mid card with Dolph at Super Showdown. Mid card, oh no, semi main again below the Universal Title match in that cage match and at Stomping Grounds. Uh, mid card with Joe in a ten minute match. Mm. Um, mid card with Orton in a double countout at SummerSlam. Mid card with Orton in Clash of Champions, and then oh god, where the hell is he on? He's not even on Hell in a Cell. He lost the title by then. He lost the Brock. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah. Brock, Brock had just beaten him the fr- the two days before. Right? Yes. So there's no. That's why like that time. that show had like no card going into <laughs> yeah. it. I was like looking at how to sell. I'm like, where the hell's the title? But yes, there you go. So like, yeah, there's just nothing. I mean, there's nothing in that title reign that would make you think he's important or think he's a big deal. I mean, look, I, I don't want to take all the the blame away from Kofi because he also, you know, he didn't really stand out in any of those matches either. He he still kind of wrestled like the same kind of very mid cardy style. I feel like, yeah. But at the same time, he just didn't have anything to work with for opponents. They never put him in a main event spot any month. So I mean, it just was nothing, and the crowd reacted to it like it what like what it was, which was mm-hmm. nothing. And, and so, all those you know, matches were the the same old like boring babyface in peril formula. Like they, they like Kofi didn't really even have the like the way those matches were structured. Kofi was just like he just sat there and someone beat him up for fifteen minutes, then they'd yeah. go straight to the finish. That was yeah. that was all of those matches. They were boring as hell because he was always the, the underdog. Never... You never thought like he was the guy that was in control of the feud. They never did it that way because they didn't but believe he, him. He, because they flew into they the accident, the they six, never believed in him. But they did that for six months. Yeah. yeah. So, like, at least the Mysterio horrible underdog title reign, that was, what, like, four months, I guess? Or three something or like something? That. Yeah, because I think he won it in Mania and he lost it to Kane Booker in, like, June. So these, I mean, that was awful, too, because he was, you know, he get lost every single non-title match and was, you know, always the, the huge underdog or whatever. But, like, at least they had the fucking sense to pull the plug after three months. Here it's like they just let that man die out there until that first SmackDown, and then they beat him in five seconds, mm-hmm. making it even more of a choke. Like they they left it out there to die for six months, and then they beat him in five, literally in five. Like I'm not exaggerating. That was yeah the length of the title match. Like was, he jumps into Brock's seven arms. Seven seconds. Yeah, he jumps into Brock's arms like an idiot and gets that five. I mean, the single I, I couldn't believe when I saw people defending that on Twitter. That was like the ultimate. You will defend anything. <laughs> That'd be yeah. moment. Because, that was like, the moment I went in and canceled any future recordings of SmackDown on my DVR. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Don't need to watch this anymore. All right. You have the, you the have worst. 
the worst part of all of that is like Kofi's right back where he was. You oh, know? Yeah. It's not like you know he lost to Brock and then they did this cool thing where he had his redemption. It's like no, he's back to Pancake Goof in tag team match yeah. on the undercard. And the that's... next week on SmackDown, his first appearance after losing in seven seconds to Brock, losing his dream, losing every title after six months in the most embarrassing fashion any champion has ever lost a title. He was standing in the ring or standing in the backstage area, holding a plate full of pancakes. With a big smile on his face, and again, matters. Pe- yeah. But wait a second, and people defended that too. And you know, one of the defenses I was told, I swear to God, he fucking gave a promo about it on Twitter. John, whoa, he tweeted. He gave a promo about it on Twitter. This is again like the fucking uh, people telling me, "Oh, well, this makes perfect sense if you watch Being the Elite." But maybe it's worse because Being the Elite is actually a fucking show, at least. Whereas yeah. this is a man tweeting. I'm supposed to care. It's fine that Kofi went from uh, losing his dream to smiling and happy with a plate full of pancakes because he gave a fucking Twitter promo about it. You know, I really wish you that the argument had been, well, John, if he wasn't smiling, he'd be crying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So I want to give a big damper on that Kofi thing. But it's still the match of the year. But my God, that title ring was just completely complete shit. Yep. After that, uh, money in the bank. Somehow we're still in May. Mm-hmm. Um, the money in the bank ladder match. <laughs> oh, here's Garrett's triumphant return. <laughs> yeah, this is the show. I, just... that I returned from my co-option to review WWE pay-per-views, and this is this is it. <laughs> Let's just talk about this. Uh, so Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. what the fuck? There is there is people who are still like into Brock Lesnar, and I, I kind of get it because like he, he I like, like Brock. He's I a like big Brock. star. He has great matches, but like this is a metaphor for everything wrong with how WWE has used Brock Lesnar for the last seven years. Yep. Brock, Andrade, Ali, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, Randy Orton, and Ricochet went out there and had a very good Money in the Bank match. These guys killed themselves. These guys uh-huh. falling off ladders, destroying themselves, like. And then Brock Lesnar's music hits. While Mustafa Ali, of all people, is climbing a damn ladder. Brock Lesnar's music hits. No, no, no. Don't, don't undersell like... that. He, not just climbing the ladder. He was on top of the ladder. Oh, oh God. I pulled... forgot this. He, he is could, stunned he in silence. <laughs> he he could have won. His, he could have pulled it down. He stood there and watched Brock come out. The dumbest. I like this does not even get this didn't get enough hate for what it, for how fucking awful it was. He's at the top of the ladder. He easily could have pulled the thing down. Brock's music hits, and he just stops. And he's like stops, he's... he stands there atop a ladder for a good 10, 15 seconds. Like, think of how long it would take Brock Lesnar to get from the, from his music hitting to climbing a ladder. That's how long Mustafa Ali just stood at the top of a ladder. I was, and... You're underselling it. It's probably like 40 seconds. <laughs> yeah, because he's got to jump around a little bit. <laughs> he has to yeah. do motions, yes. <laughs> Like, he just stood there. He could have pulled the fucking thing down any time and won the fucking match. I understand Brock is big and scary. He's going to come up and beat you up. Just pull the briefcase down and win at least. Yeah, He's going to beat you up either way. Just at least win the briefcase first. I don't know. Like, at least win the fucking money in the bank first and then let him kill you. Instead, he's like, oh, I'm going to... Brock is here. Uh Uh-huh. And And even on his way to the ring, he tipped over a ladder and smacked some dude in the crowd in the head with it. He did. 
I forgot about that. Wow. But Brock, uh, so... like Brock, Brock is a, he's a huge star. He's a good wrestler. He has good matches. But he has hovered over this roster like 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 a blanket covering the sun. When you when you for the last <laughs> for the last like four years, nobody gets over because it's always Brock. Brock is current WWE champion again. Like he's been champion for like what feels like four years. He's never on the show. Anytime, like nobody has gained from beating Brock. Brock, has, like Seth Rollins, had his big triumphant win over Brock this year, and he's a bigger nerd than he ever was because he had to yeah. cheat at WrestleMania to beat him. He had to kick him in the balls. Dean Ambrose killed by Brock. Everybody that's ever faced Brock has, has no one's come out the better. The only people that have gotten the fair better of Brock Lesnar are like Bill Goldberg and The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> like, of all the people that you're like, we need to use Brock Lesnar to establish these people. You're like, Bill Goldberg and The Undertaker. Brock has sabotaged Dean Ambrose. He sabotaged Roman Reigns. He sabotaged Seth Rollins. All because they cannot get away from him. Like, the whole company orbits back around. There's like a gravitational pull in that company that no matter what they do, it always comes back to Brock. And, like, this is the metaphor where you have a bunch of the, like, Ali and Andrade and uh, Drew McIntyre and Finn Balor and Ricochet kill themselves in a ladder match. You have all these people out there just killing themselves in a ladder match, but none of them matter. It's all just, pre like, pretext for more Brock. And Brock lost the damn title to Seth Rollins. In the big moment, Seth Rollins overcomes him. And what does happens a month later? He just kills Kofi, too. Because it has to come back to Brock, no matter what. <laughs> and there's people that still defend this. There's people like, oh, well, Brock's a star. One, business is going down for, like, three years. What kind of star yeah. is Brock? The television ratings are down. No, the network subscriptions are down. If Brock is such a big star that you have to go back to... Where are the numbers that back that up? And yeah, there's feels... never been any proof that he's this needle mover that people have always said he is. Like, it, the proof does not exist. He just has the aura. He has the aura of a star because they feed every... He's the, he's like the the burning fire that, that lights WWE and everything else is the fuel. No matter what. You just shovel everyone else onto the Brock fire to keep the fire going, even though the fire is not all that warm in the first place. Gah, Brock! I mean, his... <laughs> his matches are fun. I still like watching his matches, but yeah, it's really, really difficult to defend the way they book him and the way they book everybody else around he just, him. He just doesn't have to be champion. He can have these matches and not be champion. Yeah. Remember right, I mean, when he first returned and fought John even, Cena and lost? Yeah, and lost. And lost. And lost, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, look, they could even have him be one of the two champions without killing the entire roster in the process and yeah. without ever getting anybody over. I mean... They really did that Brock Seth thing with Seth having to low blow him mm -hmm. and thought that was going to get Seth Rollins over as a huge babyface. That mania like, match. No, he's a fucking a dork. That mania match is a sham. Like, bro, Seth Rollins had an uphill climb in the first place because he's inherently a nerd. But yeah. Seth Rollins is a great pro wrestler who can have great pro wrestling matches. But that, that Brock title win where he beat him in three minutes after kicking him in the balls. And like, the worst part of that is for the next three months, they called him the Beast Slayer. Like he yep. cheated, he kicked him in the balls. He he had as like as 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 as, as like like fake a win as you could possibly get against Brock Lesnar. They're like he's the conqueror. He defeated the beast. And it's like no, he didn't. He cheated. Yeah. Why is it and that Seth Rollins' personality is always determined by who he's recently beaten? Yeah, mm. that's true. Like he just doesn't like... have a character. <laughs> The yeah. other thing I was going to say, too, is like by the time they finally gave him the clean win at SummerSlam, nobody cared anymore. And it was just told, like, you know, and then they totally killed him off anyway with the, the Fiend feud. But we'll mm -hmm. get there. Um, anything else worth mentioning on Money in the Bank? Nothing really stands out here to me. 
AJ yeah, Rollins is my WWE match of the year. So that oh one. yeah, that's right. That was on that show. Holy <laughs> shit! Because that that is the the one time in the last two years I've looked at AJ Styles and it's like it's AJ Styles. It's it's not the the the, the facsimile of what AJ Styles we've seen in WWE for so long. You look at them in that Seth Rollins match. That's AJ Styles. And people who are like, oh, AJ's been having good matches. Watch this AJ match, then watch the other AJ matches, and tell me they're the same person because they're not. He showed oh. up here. It's my WWE match of the year, just out of sheer nostalgia for seeing my favorite wrestler be good again. Yeah, no, no. and I remember this thinking this was probably going to suck because it was directly going up against the Game of Thrones finale. So I thought they had put in zero effort, but hell, they went out and killed it. Like this match is fucking fantastic. And is I'd say by far, Seth's the best match of the year for being the worst, best wrestler in the world. He's like, he had a great showing here. That's a, like Seth has, has a couple, like the, the Brock match is fantastic. The SummerSlam match, uh, the, the AJ match is fantastic. Like Seth has some really great matches this year, but he's just everything else. He the, like, I, I almost feel bad for Seth as well too, because then he's immediately shunted into like Baron Corbett and Lacey Evans feuds. And he has the win against Brock and then he's immediately shunted into a feud with the fiend. So like, even if Seth had a chance, like even if, you know, the, he finally defeated, he finally conquered the beast. He finally beat, Beat Brock Lesnar fair and square, like he's doomed. He's wrestling the goof in a clown mask in the red lights in a hell of a cell in the worst match in the history of WWE. Uh, the other thing I want to, I I thought this was good, but like not both those matches. I would like more like three and a half stars on, but still good matches, but not like blow away for me. Um, you know, I was just, both the Brock and the AJ matches, I guess. So I'm never as high as Seth on some people, even his in ring. But you know, I get the appeal. He does cool moves and stuff sometimes, I guess. Uh, so that brings us to Super Showdown, the first of the two Saudi Arabia <laughs> shows. The only reason why I want to mention this is because we told the story already, Kelly, but watching the show in a bar in Osaka, it's the only way to watch a Blood Money show yep. with, a, with, a, with a salary man opening, openly laughing at the results. I mean, that that's an image that I'll never forget. This man, like when Shane McMahon... Best, Mr. Best in the World pins Roman Reigns in this match. This like he just let out this humongous laugh, and like I think even like hit the tape, hit the bar. Yeah, it was, was so like, funny. He was like so abused by this match result. I completely uh, forgot Shane beat Roman Reigns. That's just the thing I completely forgot. That's just the best. <laughs> we decided that the, the, the way to get Roman over was to uh, like destroy him this year, and then like. Hopefully, think hopefully the fans will forget that they hated him for being pushed down their throats. And I have to say, if anything they did this year kind of worked, this might be it. There's a they there's a not- meta way. There's a meta way WWE can get everybody over, and that's book them so shittily that the fans feel sorry for them and rally around them. That's the funny the thing is, they get anybody over. They had the opening to make him the star. The dude beat cancer and came back. <laughs> Well, yeah, and even they that, did no- though, right? they did that nothing. Off, they did I mean, nothing with it. Yeah, so that's true, I guess. But the, the point is, though, like they don't, the fans don't boom anymore, really. And they they did a little bit Survivor Series, but not. And I mean, they they simultaneously made Seth such a dork that like he get, he's the one who gets the, you know, the baby face giant booing, and you know Roman's they, like whatever. They they, they we'll peed in the same happens. mountain that got struck by lightning at the same time, and it swapped <laughs> we'll- how the crowd reacted to him. <laughs> But we'll see what happens when they try to push Roman to the top again, I guess. Because I, I assume that is coming eventually. But yes, this was part of it. Seth, uh, Roman losing to Shane here. Uh, yeah, this show looked awful from what we watched, but 
it was sure fun watching it in a in a random bar in Osaka. So a wrestling themed bar. I do like how that bar was pretty full when we walked in, and by the time we left, it was just us and the salary man because that show kind of scared everyone else away. <laughs> yeah, everybody else was like, "Ah, we got our stuff to do tonight. Goodbye." You mean a 25-minute Randy Orton Triple H match in the year 2019 is not what's <laughs> going to attract people? No. I think that's we left during that match. Yeah, also, the, the, the other farce that was Bill Goldberg and The Undertaker on this match is hilarious because <laughs> Goldberg gets concussed within like two minutes and the entire match just completely falls apart. People defend that as good, by the way. It was good until Goldberg concussed himself, and then the match just became an utter absolute shambles because they fell all over the place. He's concussed. You can, like, I don't blame <laughs> Goldberg, but I'm not going to call a match in which they try to do a tombstone reversal spot and just fall over a great match. I'm not going to blame Goldberg. Again, concussed. Not ideal, but terrible match. Uh, up next is Stomping Grounds. <laughs> this show... What a fucking show this was in Tacoma. First of all, what did they draw in Tacoma? Like 3,000 fans or something? something Wasn't it like a really, really tiny, tiny crowd? Yeah, it was something really bad. Yeah. Um, This show, I mean, first of all, the main event, I I can't believe that something ended up topping this for worst match of the year for me, but like Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin for the Universal title with Lacey Evans' ref. Holy shit. This was fucking awful. Yeah. Let's talk about main eventer Lacey Evans for a second. <laughs> what a time of year. Who would have thought that was ever a thing that happened? The real Christmas, Lacey Evans, the main event, technically main evented two shows in a row. She was referee. That counts. That's two yeah, shows that, in a row. That, like she was an event. active participant in this match. Oh, and I remember her so... just as the referee, just pacing back and forth like a goddamn maniac. Mm. Yeah. She didn't know what to do, basically. She was just like, walking back and forth constantly um i garrett what the fuck was this match well it was it was a match from 1998 like oh they're changing the rules like it was a full-on attitude you're a dumbass like we're, we're like they they do they they probably did this match with steve austin and vince mcmahon in 98 where mcmahon was a referee and changing the rules so steve austin wouldn't win but it was just like the worst thing you've ever seen. Actually, no, maybe not. The Kofi and Dolph match before it was actually criminally <laughs> Dolph. Like that one, yeah. two punch. Like Reigns and McIntyre. Ugh. Then Ray, freaking Kofi and Dolph just had the most boring steel cage match you've ever seen in your life. I don't think there's been a more boring steel cage match. And then well, you and go before to... that, there was the uh, Bailey and Alexa Bliss match that we both gave one star. Oh yeah. So you have that, but and right before it. W- this whole show like you had daniel highest... Bryan and rowan versus heavy machinery where i went two and you went one and a half <laughs> yeah the highest rated match you both gave anything on the show was like three and a half and it wasn't even the same match kelly gave three and a half to uh or garrett gave three and a half to kevin owens and zane against the new day and um kelly gave three and a half to ricochet and samoa joe and the debt like everything else is like two stars, one star, one star, one star, two and a half. Oh, yeah. Kelly went Roman Drew match, two and a half. And yeah, and this opened one. with Becky Lynch versus uh, Lacey Evans. Yeah, which was also bad. Which somehow Garrett went three on. I remember that being surprisingly okay. I oh, yeah. I remember arguing with Joe in the Slack about this match. Yeah, I thought this yeah. was a, a decent-ish opener. It's good. The good thing for Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin, though, is like no one will remember this match because Seth Rollins and the Fiend topped it. Like that's yeah, <laughs> well done. Because who's gonna win? 
this was gonna win worst match of the year by a mile, and then yeah. Seth and <laughs> Seth and uh, the Fiend happened. Yeah, so they saved Baron Corbin's ass there. Uh, can I just say too that the, the narrative that Baron Corbin got good after this complete bullshit. He like wrestled he had, Chad Gable. He had good matches with Chad Gable. He's a great a, wrestler. Yeah. I went back and watched like a lot of those because people are like, oh, Corbin's so good now. I went and watched the Corbin uh, quote unquote good matches with Chad Gable. There were some nice little three star matches where Corbin, you know, did nothing basically, just let fucking Chad Gable bump for him. Corbin is not good. I don't I know, know when this narrative came. He fucking sucks. I really yeah. like the, the King of the Ring main event. I, I think I was like four stars on the King of the Ring main event, except the yeah. fact that freaking Baron or freaking uh, Chad Gable lost, which is again one of the dumbest things they've done this year because they ne- they nearly like people were like, oh, shorty G, shorty. Chad Gable got over in that tournament because he's Chad Gable. Anything Chad Gable does that gets over is because he's one of like not not the best wrestlers in the company, but Chad Gable is a great pro wrestler. And he, like, put him in the ring, let him wrestle, he'll get over. That's what happened in the King of the Ring. They put him in the ring, they let him wrestle, he got over. Then Baron Corbin won, then Baron Corbin won again. Then he got beaten up over and over again, then he won a match, then got beaten up backstage, then become a goof named Shorty G that wears shorts and a tracksuit of some sort. It's the worst. Why did this happen? Why? That No. <laughs> why did Shorty G happen? That's what we're going to talk about. John, why did Shorty G happen? I don't, I don't know. I have no, I mean, to me, that's not even, I don't even know if that's worth talking about because it's like, it's so fucking stupid. And like, again, people try to defend that on Twitter and reveal themselves. It's like, I, I just like, I don't know. Like, you'll just defend, if you will defend Shorty G on Twitter, like, you will defend Vince McMahon coming to your fucking house and leaning over and taking shit on your carpet. Cause like, there's nothing left at that point. Like, there's no, there's no further down. No. So. I want to believe that Shorty G came. This is the origin story I've built in my head. Mm-hmm. So Vince went over to Triple H and Stephanie's house for like something. I don't know. And one of the kids was watching Nicktoons and they were had like an old episode of Rocket Power playing. And Vince saw it and was like, right, that's good shit. <laughs> I should make one of my wrestlers dress like that. <laughs> and then he saw like, the next day, the first person he saw was uh, Chad Gable, and he's like, "Yo, you're short. You could wear shorts. <laughs> you're Shorty G." Didn't they trademark uh, Shorty G back in like June or something too? Like, probably. Yeah, I think so. It's not like this is a thing they stumbled on one week and thought was funny. It's like this is a thing they planned and built toward, and people are like, "Yes, this is a good idea. We should do with these people." Um, Extreme Rules, July 14th. Mm. I didn't see a single sh- single second of the show, so it doesn't seem like you guys liked it very much going through the results, except for there was a three-way tag title match that was really good, I guess, with New Day, uh, Brian and Rowan, and Heavy Machinery, but everything else looks like it was pretty terrible. Oh, yeah, the Undertaker was on this show. Yeah, the opener was a lot of fun. The Undertaker and Roman Reigns against Shane McMahon. Oh, and actually, you know what? I did see that, and that was good. That was yeah, the only a, thing on this show I watched. Yeah, That was a fun crowd-pleaser. Yeah, but everything else in this show seemed pretty bad. Again, hey, Alistair Black versus Cesaro was on this show. Yeah, which when was like a... just like, hey, we need you to stop being the man sitting in the boiler room and have a match for once. Then he went back to being the man sitting in the boiler room, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. And Buddy Murphy knocked on his door, and he didn't answer. Yeah. 
I know Brian Alvarez like lost his shit about that, but uh, oh, this had the last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley that was really stupid, but I enjoyed for it. I enjoyed it for that. It it was big and dumb. It's the good kind of big and dumb. Okay, so there was some good stuff on this show, I guess. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but but then you had the main event. Yeah, which was the last chance winners take all mixed tag team extreme rules match for the WWE Universal Championship and WWE Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, there's a bit of a trend with a lot of these shows, actually, where like the opener is really fun. You get like a crowd pleasing Undertaker match. You, I assume the revival against the Usos was probably pretty good. Aleister Black and Cesaro was like a G1 sprint that just didn't get a reaction. Braun against Lashley was like a really fun plunder match. The New Day against Brian and Rowan against Heavy Machinery was a really fun tag. And then Styles and Ricochet had a like the most boring match you'll see in a while. Uh, thank God <laughs> Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler was only 17 seconds long because if they did a yeah. match. You would have the show would have fallen off a cliff completely. Uh, Kofi and Joe had a boring title match, and then you have the main event, and then you have the frustration of another damn Brock cashing. Like, yeah. uh, and, and, and there's a couple like WrestleMania is the same, which like the first half of the charade was fun, and then it completely fell off a cliff. Even Stomping Ground was like the first few matches were pretty good, and then completely fell off a cliff. So it's like yeah. it, it, it feels like the matches they put less effort into, which are the undercard matches, generally are fun at the very least, are like kind of light and breezy matches, and then the rest of the stuff is just dire. Yeah, you know we. Uh, what, you know something I really want to do is find a way to go into every WWE employee's like contact book and delete the phone number or email of whoever their distributor for kendo sticks is, because I never want to see those goddamn things in a match ever again. <laughs> like wow. they're just in every WWE match. Like it's always kendo sticks, chairs, tables. That's it. You get those three things always. I don't want to see kendo sticks anymore. They're dumb. They're probably hurt an unnecessary amount. You can only do one thing with them as well. You can hit people with them. Like yeah. at least tables, you, you can you can come up with like seven different ways you can incorporate a table into a match. There's like two different ways. The most I- interesting way I've ever seen a kendo stick used is using it as a cross face so that the jagged edge kind of drives into their head. Like yeah. that's pretty cool. But other than that, it's I just also... like it with a kendo stick. Okay. I liked the use of it in the Usos New Day Hell in a Cell match where they just trapped one of the Usos in the cage corner with the kendo yeah. sticks. Like, that was pretty great. Restrained him. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the problem with kendo sticks. It's the same kendo sticks spot. You hit him, yeah. hit him again. Whoa, it makes a nice noise. That's about it. Yeah, it makes a nice noise and it fucking hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, find something that makes a nice noise and doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, SummerSlam, which is... I can't believe we only had two reviewers on SummerSlam. It was the two of you. So you'd think that'd be a big enough show to get somebody else interested, but apparently you'd be wrong. Yeah. Uh, any any thoughts on SummerSlam? Other than, I mean, we already said the main event was great. The rest of this card, I'm scrolling through your guys' review. I didn't, I didn't even watch this show, which has to be the first SummerSlam I didn't see the entire show of in like 15 Oh, this had Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. Remember that? Yeah. A child yeah. against Trish. Oh yeah, I don't even remember that. That's the thing. Like so much of WWE these days just disappears. Like I didn't remember Batista was on WrestleMania until I looked at the cards this afternoon, and I was like, "Jaw, that was this year." And then again, SummerSlam. It's like Trish Stratus on SummerSlam against Charlotte. Like two generational stars wrestling each other. It should be a super memorable, important match. 
it's it's I'm not gonna say it should be like Rock Hogan levels, but it's like the female equivalent of Rock Hogan, basically. Yeah. Of like the two generational stars, and like it's what six months later, it's five months later, and I don't remember it. It's just it's oh, gone. this this had the fiend debut too. Yes, where he snapped Finn Balor's neck, and Finn Balor yep. went to NXT and complained about having to do the job to the fiend. Uh, is there anything else really on the on the show? That's I mean, this looks okay, I guess, but it doesn't really look anything that special. It was okay. a very forgettable show. Yeah, the main event was great. Like, like Seth and Brock really seems, good. Yeah. I mean for a SummerSlam it just seems very forgettable. But Oh yeah, another um, AJ versus Ricochet match. Again, they had yeah. what three pay-per-view matches and none of them were good. Yeah. <laughs> and freaking like Kevin Owens, remember when he pivoted to that character where he just started like shouting about how shit everything is? And he cut promos about how Shane McMahon keeps people down and the opportunity should be going to Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy and how everything is wrong in this company. And it always fascinates me when they, that's a scripted promo, where they can script Kevin Owens to explain everything that's wrong with their television show. Because they know, they know everything that's wrong with their television yeah. show. And they know they people will cheer that. Yeah, they know it'll get over because everyone knows it's shit. And they don't change anything. It baffles me that they're that's completely. That's just how so things aware. are, Garrett. That's just how it is. You can't change it. That's just you know. That's just how wrestling is. And I was so happy yeah. like that. Kevin Owens' character started when he just like snapped on Dolph and like buried Dolph for being a loser all the time, and it was great because it's like, oh, look, it's a it's an actual truth telling character who cuts through the bullshit. And what did they pivot that into? A feud with Shane McMahon with Elias a special <laughs> enforcer. You're like, yeah. Oh, Something is interesting for 30 seconds and it becomes a feud with Shane McMahon immediately. And what's Kevin Owens doing now? He's in like a pointless, like he, he he returned to NXT and then apparently he's just not returning to NXT. That was for one night. And now he's in a, a, a program with Seth Rollins that nobody cares about. Yeah. About Seth being Mr. Locker Room later. Ha, ha. And like, they, they do this like really meta, like smart, like wink at the smart mark shit. But I'm like, Everybody hates it. like anyone who's a quote unquote like uh, like news editor reader and shit. They all hate your fucking show. So <laughs> why are you like? It. It's even stupider than when Russo used to do it because at least back then, like people would you know watch stuff. Like here, it's like yeah, the, the, the wink at the smart mark people. They're watching AEW guys, or they're watching New Japan, or they're watching you know whatever the fuck they're watching. They're not watching WWE at this point. Anyway, uh, September fifteenth, Clash of Champions. Uh, I didn't see any of this show at all, so somebody tell me if this was any good or not. Hang right, on, I, I need to look at what the hell it was. I don't yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at the card, and I, I legitimately can't tell you a thing that happened on that show. All right, I'm going to think that, about it. Okay. Set, oh, okay. Oh, this you, is... Camp. Who did the AJ Seth Styles, the beginning of the Cedric Alexander push. Push? Oh, push. Listen, <laughs> there's people who don't understand the difference between being featured and being pushed. There's people whose like, critical analysis of pro wrestling comes down to they see Cedric Alexander on television more often than he used to be. And they're like, hey, he's being pushed. He's on TV. Those people are idiots. Those people, like, they don't have the even modest amount of critical thought to analyze he was beaten as comprehensively as you could humanly be beaten on this show. He was beaten up after the match. He was beaten the next night on Raw. And you still had people like, he's being pushed. He's, you know, what's Cedric Alexander doing now? He's losing every week on Raw. 
That's a, these people. I'm like, fool me once, shame on me thing. Like, how do these people get tricked by this every single time? Like, these fake pushes for the likes of Shorty G, for the likes of Ali, for the likes of Cedric Alexander that don't go anywhere. Umberto Carrillo is getting one on Raw at the moment. I guarantee Umberto Carrillo is going to. Umberto Carrillo will not have a meaningful match at WrestleMania. Guaranteed. I can I can say that right now because I know it will happen. <laughs> And it's it's ridiculous. What else was on the show? Oh, this was in the bits of the Roman Reigns murder mystery. Remember yeah, this that? is also when Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman were tag champs. Oh, I will yeah. say this: this was the the Roman Reigns murder mystery. Like one of the again, that was an example of them getting really funny bad, mm-hmm. and it resulted in that uh, that amazing like Andrew Rich. I think it was Andrew Rich who did it. Would put the Curb Your Enthusiasm yes. theme to it. Oh, where it's so like good. they where they reveal they, they end up saying what an episode of fact that ended with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan and um what the fuck is God Eric, Eric Rowan. Rowan and they reveal the Eric Rowan look like fucking forklift driver or whatever and everybody just stares at him and like <laughs> nobody makes any noise or says anything so it was perfect to put the Curb Your Enthusiasm song there. And it, I laughed and laughed and laughed so hard. So shout out to Andrew Rich. Yeah. Shout out to WWE for making your main storyline on SmackDown so incredibly fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, it was one of the funniest moments of the year. The best thing and, is that that, yeah. Roman, that Eric Rowan lookalike was never mentioned again. No. <laughs> and then and then it turned out that Brian wasn't even behind it. No. It was yeah. Eric Rowan the whole time. And, and then when it turned Eric out Rowan was behind it, Brian was like, whoa, dude, you went too far. <laughs> Turn baby face. Yeah. That was Daniel Bryan's baby face turn. No. <laughs> Apparently there's also a man. Now Rowan's uh, back on Raw doing nothing, right? Isn't like yeah. the entire big thing. Rowan turned out to be a murderer or whatever, an attempted murderer, and he's back on Raw doing nothing. At he's least hanging out with got, like, uh, Harper again. At least Rikishi got like five months out of it when he was an attempted murderer. I don't know. Harper's gone again. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. It's back oh, to rolling shit. by himself. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, this show also had a match between uh, Nakamura and The Miz, where according to my review, Miz would win two strike exchanges with Nakamura, which is just a fucking insane <laughs> thing to think about. <laughs> he, lear- he learned those strikes while teaming with Shane McMahon, and he applied them uh... against Shinsuke Nakamura. That's true. Yeah. yeah this this show looks like dog shit. I have to say. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, this had the three minute Bailey and Charlotte match. That was bizarre. <laughs> so there you go, the Clash of Champions. There was like a the tag title match where Seth and Braun lost the titles. It it wasn't even anything, right? Like they didn't turn on each other or anything. It just kind of happened. Yeah, they like, just kind of lost. Yeah, and then they came out for the main event, and it's like, but well, folks, it, it's the big angle to get you excited for that Seth Braun main event was just like. Seth kind of losing and Braun being like, I gotta get these hands, and that was it. Like, yeah, they had like a minor like... miscommunication and then they lost. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's classic. Like, what how do people like this? They don't. Anyway, I don't know. Some I'm, people do, Karen. I don't I'm understand convinced. it. I'm convinced nobody actually likes this. <laughs> I refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe that people don't defend this ironically or defend this out of Stockholm syndrome. I'm convinced that nobody actually likes this. Like, there's nothing. Like, I read the spoilers for SmackDown this week. I'm just like, how do? How does anybody watch this? There's nothing there. It's not no. even as bad. Yeah. There's just nothing there. Like, there was someone back at work. Someone asked me this past week, like, "Oh, did you watch all the wrestling this weekend?" 
And I was like, well, what what was on? And I remembered, oh yeah, Survivor Series and uh, NXT. No, I didn't watch any of that. I was like, <laughs> I could have, I could have told them like, yeah, I watched a bunch of Gato Move, but I don't, I don't, they don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, I mean, that's not real D-O. wrestling to them. I watched DDT Cork and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like I'll do? try and like talk about these things to people and be like, hey, you should watch it, but their eyes just glaze over if they can't watch it on their stupid nine ninety nine network or USA or Fox. Like they don't care any anything else. I watched both uh, of those shows, Kelly. I'll have you know. <laughs> I know you did. I watched so some of both of them. Folks, we got to get to a real big show. Oh. The Hell in a Cell. The show that finally broke the two of you. So yep. give it to me. Why did this break you finally, Callie? It was just so fucking stupid on every level. Like, it wasn't just that it was a bad match. It was visually abrasive to look at mm-hmm. with the red lights. Like, it was an actively hard match to watch. Uh, not only did The Fiend lose, he lost because Seth was kicking too much ass. <laughs> uh, the referee had to step in and say, Seth, this isn't you several times before he disqualified him for kicking too much ass. In a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. And then... After Seth was disqualified for kicking too much ass, the fiend got up like nothing happened and started to shove his hands in his mouth. And then Seth puked up a bunch of fake blood and they cut to black and there was the end of the show. It was just the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. No one knew what happened. Like no one knew who won or who lost. Like even the con commentary, they were not clear if it was a disqualification, if it was a no contest, if Seth won, like it was just such a clusterfuck. And on, on a show that like top to bottom, this show like drove like Randy Orton wrestled Ali, where like in theory you have the big star wrestle the small the lesser star, but no, Randy just kind of beat him. It was nothing. Then the Kabuki Warriors came out to wrestle Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and like they were just heels. They never turned. Yeah. <laughs> No, they were just heels all of a sudden. <laughs> By the way, they turned Kaori Ka- Sane, one of the best baby faces I've ever seen in my entire life, heel for no reason. Yeah. That's yeah. the company in a nutshell. The one of the most before. beloved people on their entire roster. Just a evil tiny, Asian a, person now. A tiny, adorable woman who everyone loves, who got universally positive reactions for her fucking pirate gimmick. One of the few yeah. people on the on these fucking shows that the crowd like cheers all the time. Yeah. She's a heel now. Yeah, now they're just evil but Asian people that use look, she's 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 Japanese, so I mean yeah. she's gotta be a heel. Yeah. On the on the Has Jerry Lawler said show. there's a real Pearl Harbor job yet? Because <laughs> no. I really feel like that's something that he has to like bite his tongue every week to not say. On the SmackDown before this show, they were they were goose chasing the twenty four seven title. That's right, they were one of those geek, <laughs> two of those geeks. They were they were goose that were chasing the title. They became number one contenders, and then Asuka just spat mists in the face of one of the other two, and they won the yep. titles. And then you have the, the, the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman against the OC, which just goes to a DQ for absolutely no reason. You can't have well, one of the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman pin Luke Gallows. You got to protect <laughs> yeah, Luke say, Gallows. Got to protect Luke Gallows. Uh, the, the main event, I'm, I'm so glad you guys put all these tweets here so I could relive like Rover tweeting uh, the the last image of the show, which is a dark screen with the logos and the closed captions just say crowd booze. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, 
And then Sean Waltman on the fucking watch along with, I know you might not have me back for one of these, but how the hell do you get DQ'd at a hell of a And this Watching is the Sean second Waltman year in a row. This is the second year in a row that's happened. Watching Sean Waltman freak out on their own programming. Oh my God. It was if, so great. If, you should go to that review, and the, the very last tweet is the crowd after the show. Watch that yeah. tweet. It's just them booing, chanting for refunds, chanting AEW. Like, they full-on turn on what... Like, it's legitimately one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. Was like, that the show that where bad. the dude was holding up the sign at Seth that said, Seth is not cool, and then yes. Seth's just looking sad? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I Look, the match, the match is very funny, so it is funny bad, but... I had to say that doesn't mean you shouldn't vote for it as worst match of the year. Oh, it's, yeah, it's the worst match. It's the worst. It's, it's the worst match of the decade. It's not yeah, the worst. I, match of the year. I still really like Garrett's idea that when we look back in a few years at the downfall of WWE, this is the big turning point. Mm. I mean, look, they came in with a character that that was over, even though it is pretty. It's like objectively pretty stupid, but like the remaining people that watch these shows like the Fiend. And if you watch him on the Survivor Series, they don't fucking give a shit about the feed anymore. I mean, they no. killed that off so fucking quick because they had him fail to win the title here, and then they put the belt on him in fucking Saudi Arabia anyway. So yeah. why not just have him win this fucking match? You like, I, I said I wasn't gonna get angry and like screaming, but why are you so fucking stupid? Just have and him win the match here. Now he's dancing on SmackDown, talking about lizard people and the Illuminati, stealing Daniel Bryan's kill- hair. You killed off Seth Rollins forever with this feud. Like Seth Rollins will never be a top babyface star for the rest of his career. Yeah, like that is it. Like you had him fucking act like he's so goddamn scared by Spooky Clown Man that the crowd was like booing him out of the building here when he hit those like curb stomp after curb stomp. The crowd is booing louder with every one, and it's like. Even Roman Reigns did not usually get this kind of booze during no. his matches. I mean, it was just incredible. And then, and then he, and then he like hit him. With, and the referee, the referee. <laughs> I'm like cracking up now thinking about it. That referee, this isn't you. This isn't you, Seth. Why is the referee trying to act like Seth Rollins' conscience? What the fuck? What has any wrestling referee in the history of wrestling ever done that? Can also, you imagine earlier- any. Earlier in the match, the, the Fiend tries to kill Seth Rollins with a cartoon <laughs> hammer. Oh, God, I forgot about the hammer. And the, the, re, the, re, the referee is fine with the cartoon <laughs> mallet. Like the mallet the size of a freaking, I don't know, it's the size of the Fiend's head. He's fine with him trying to kill him with that. But Seth uses Triple H's sledgehammer. It's, oh, it's not you. It's not you, Seth. Well, look, look, he at better. look at your hands. <laughs> He expects better out of Seth. I realized I think I would have liked the big mallet if it had had cartoon sound effects when it when he hit stuff (laughs) with it. Like, yeah, just go full stupid with it. Like it's part it comes from the Firefly Funhouse universe or fucking whatever. But just make it make big dumb cartoon sound effects, and I think I would have enjoyed that part of it. But instead, he didn't even hit him with it. He just like kind of smushed him against the cage with it. Our respective ratings for this match, by the way, in the review, I give it minus five stars, even though I don't believe in minus stars. And Kelly's official rating of this match was, I hope Vince shits his pants and falls down a hole for this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just, I'm looking through the other ratings and yeah, wow, this show really, 
like fell off a cliff. I hated yeah. the show. I, mean, I hated the show so much. It's the tornado so tag was pretty. The tornado tag wasn't bad. That was fun. the that opener was with fun. Uh, Becky and Sasha was really good. The opener I gave three and three quarters, and it was very close to giving four, which would have, by the way, made it my fifth four star match in a year. I, I went four and a quarter. I really, really yeah. liked that match. But man, so if you're if you want to watch this show, watch the first two Don't. matches, <laughs> turn it off, turn it off, and then maybe watch the main event just to see something like a, an amazing spectacle that you'll never see again, probably. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. It was a, it was a show that broke you. So yeah. that's why you're on the show here today. It's yeah. one of the worst matches in the history of wrestling. That's it not, is. that's not even hyper. It's one of the no, worst. No, it's not. That's legitimately that bad. Uh, after that, because it just jewel. fails in every aspect of what it wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And the, mean, red I, I, the red lights. That's the, the red lights. Ah. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that, really. Yeah, you couldn't even watch it's, the match. It's so bad. Yeah. And, like, the red light was especially bad uh, with the show we're going to be talking about in a bit, Survivor Series, because Daniel Bryan was just straight up blending into the canvas. <laughs> Can I mention, too, like, the, to me, WWE, and maybe this is, this is, they're almost like the Donald Trump of wrestling, where it's like, they do so much awful shit that you can't really even critique any of it properly. Like it feels like you're trying to play whack-a-mole, you know, yeah. but like, but like everything is so bad that like, like we just talked all about this and forgot to mention the fucking red light. Cause mm-hmm. it's like everything we did was so awful. We didn't even think to mention the fact that it's, it was literally unwatchable. Yeah. So like it, it, you cannot properly express how awful it is. Like that's how bad WWE is. There's so much awful shit that you cannot properly express how awful it all is. So, way to go, guys! Uh, so Crown Jewel that the people are just absolutely numb to. Like they're just numb. Like WWE is is so bad for so long that people are just completely numb to it. And not only that, they've driven away. I think the majority of people who cover it that are like decent. Like no one wants to review Raw anymore because you'll lose your sanity. You'll just go crazy. Yeah. I mean, the shows are so bad that you cannot, I mean, it, it can't be properly broken down. And so many of them are, they, they do so much awful shit. I mean, like, imagine if they did some of these, some of these promos, um, like this workshop bullshit. That used to drive people crazy in 2000. Like, people used to go nuts over that, over how fucking stupid it was. Now it's like Finn Balor comes out next team and, and, told, and just says, yeah, I jobbed or whatever. And nobody cares because it's like, we've heard these stupid promos so many fucking times it doesn't mean anything to anybody anymore no so. no one is like no one is invested to the degree of getting mad about it anymore except the three of us on this yeah. dumb podcast but other than well, I, I was actually gonna say for a while we got way less angry than i thought we were gonna get because yeah. you it's can't get you get, mad you get beaten down everyone's, so been, everyone's yeah. been defeated everyone has just been defeated by their endless stream of bullshit yeah i mean look you end up with shows where like the, the bar is so fucking low. Like, I'm going to let, let's, let's keep going because I'm going to talk about that in a second. Crown mm-hmm. Jewel. Uh, Didn't watch it. Brock, Brock and Cain Velasquez. I saw the entire match on Twitter. That Me was too. kind of fun for that's kind of fun for a two minute work time MMA match. I enjoyed it. That was, yeah, that's all match. I watched. But also, I didn't talk about how the fact it. that they're paying Cain Velasquez a ton of money. <laughs> and, and like, they, 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 he signed a three year deal. This is, if this was a one and done, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's stupid fun. But he signed a three year deal. Like, he has to come back after this, after Brock Lesnar beat him in two minutes and ten seconds. And, like, they have to convince us. Again, 
Cain Velasquez, one of the many people shoveled on top of the endless burning fire that is Brock Lesnar. They should have just given him the belt. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah, the, like, why not? And then Bray Wyatt won the match that cannot be stopped for any reason, which would make you think it should just be going on forever, apparently, but no, he won. That was foreshadowing uh, their inability to leave Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia took that stipulation <laughs> seriously. It's like, yeah. you said the match could not be stopped for any reason. We're not letting you leave. You have to keep this yes. match going. And then this was <laughs> also the plane gate, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, then the final thing I'm going to talk about here is Survivor Series, which again, this is to me the great example. I decided to review this show for the website and you know, I just I do I do one show a year basically. I did SummerSlam last year, and I did Survivor Series this year, and I picked pretty well because both those shows were pretty good in a year full of terrible, terrible shows for the company. But like, my bar with WWE is you know not just low; it's like underground, right? And I don't have any investment in any of these stories or anything or anything making sense. So I can sit down and be like, yeah, you know, I don't really care what happens, but is there some good action? Yeah, there's some good action. That's the only way to watch WWE. It's like, just don't give a fuck and sit down and be like, well, are these, you know, hopefully there's some good matches. And, you know, the three-way match with AJ, Shinsuke, and Roderick was like a three-and-a-half-star good match. Uh, the Fiend and Daniel Bryan was probably the best possible match you could have with The Fiend. Even Once though, again, like, Daniel Bryan was... has The Fiend's best match. Yes. Or, uh, uh, even like the, how was with saying, Bray Wyatt's best match, sorry. It was hard to watch, basically, but uh, yeah. what point you could see it was, and the crowd was into it. The men's Survivor Series elimination match was a great match if you turn your brain off and ignore the fact that they buried everybody in the match that could possibly get over. <laughs> they they had Walter get eliminated in two minutes with one <laughs> kick to the face. Hey Garrett, uh, remember when I predicted that? <laughs> I've done. I if you listen to War Games this week, I've done. I've done my Walter rant. And I'm very tempted to just do it again. Oh, do it, do it, do it, do it. Give it to me. Give it Look, to me. Walter is the best wrestler in the world. There was a period there for a good year where Walter was the best wrestler in the world. Walter, can I just is say in... real quick? I just interject. He just had a five star fucking match two weeks ago in Big Japan, exactly. a company that almost yeah. never has five star matches anymore. Anyway. He's the best wrestler in the world. Like Walter is the easiest to book wrestler in the history of pro wrestling. I'm not even joking. In the history of pro wrestling, it's easy because you put him in there and people wrestle him. And Walter beats the shit out of them. And that's mm-hmm. the template every time. And it works every time. Whether it's Ilya Dragunov, whether it's Jordan Devlin, whether it's Tyler Bate, no matter who it is, put them in there with Walter. Walter will beat the shit out of them and they'll get over. And that's happened everywhere. Every company in Europe has applied that formula to phenomenal success because it's the easiest thing on earth to do because he's Walter. He's like the best wrestler in the world. He's he's the most instantly credible wrestler you will ever see in your life because he'll throw one chop and one slam and you're like, that dude can beat the shit out of anybody he wants. Because he PCO is main eventing final battle because of Walter. Yeah. And like, like how? How do you see that? And you have him lose in, in three minutes to one claymore. It's like if at least if everybody hit him with their finish, like if they rolled all 10 people in the other teams and they took turns hitting Walter with their finish, I'm like, at least you had him lose, but you had him lose in a way that he's probably not going to be hurt much. And you, you might even give him a little bit of credibility because it took everybody's move to beat him. But he's hit with one claymore and he loses like Walter. Why don't you put Killian Dane in this match? You can just put Killian Dane in that spot. He loses in the exact same way, and no one gives a shit because he's Killian Dane. You choose Walter. Like, 
Ah. Can I, I also have to throw in here because I feel like this is important. It's not like he came out and the crowd had no idea who he was. He was the he was like he was one most of the over guy in the match. He yeah. was the most over guy in the match. The crowd went crazy for him. And when he got eliminated by one Claymore kick, they chanted bullshit. Yep. One of the not only incredible. things that's not believable. It's yeah. one, of the, <laughs> one of the and only on commentary, they, they made sure to say that he didn't wrestle a match last yeah, night like everyone else on his team. He's the freshest. They they actively said everybody else wrestled the war games. Walter's the freshest guy on his team. He's beaten in three minutes. Why is this company this way? Like, why do they do this? Who? Like, I don't know how many people are involved in the creative process of WWE, but I'd imagine a good thirty people could have said, "Let's not do this to Walter." And maybe somebody did, and that person is a champion. But like, there's so many people at so many stages that could have said, "We should not do this to Walter." What are we doing? What are we doing here? Like, there's such a mismatch in this company between how they book talent and how they should book talent. Like, they just completely lost the plot. They don't know what they're doing. And as you said, John, if you turn your brain off, this match is fantastic. I think it's the best Survivor Series elimination match in a very, very long time. Like, the action is superb. But literally, every single creative decision in this match is the opposite of what it should have been. Like, you see... Let's keep going. Shorty G... Lays on the mat for five years like a geek when Owens decides who to hit a frog flash on and takes me and gets pinned, which again, yep. that, that that push is really going in the stratosphere. Mm. Uh, Kevin Owens, who's the most over guy on the Raw team, immediately gets pinned. He's the first yep. guy that goes out for Raw, of course. Matt Riddle rolls up Randy Orton and then spends 10 years like celebrating with his bro chant and standing there like a complete moron while Orton sucks up, sneaks up back behind him and hits the RKO so he too could get pinned. By pinned by Baron Corbin, no less. Pinned by Baron Corbin. Yeah. And like Ricochet gets pinned clean by the end of days, but also by Baron Corbin. So this was like a Vince McMahon, like he was like fucking, I'd expect it to be like masturbating or something. Yeah. <laughs> like he was, he was probably like just cackling backstage uh, at all these fucking results. I'm like, okay, they, they really did it. They just did, they eliminated every single like internet favorite within like five minutes. But the match itself was still great. And they, Got his big moment at the end, and you know, it built up a Roman versus Keith Lee singles match that we're probably never getting. But that like last sequence was incredible. Yeah, and that really was really cool. One. So yeah, I mean, I went three and three quarters. It was it was a great match by the end. But like, you again, you have to turn your brain off and not, you know, think about it critically because everything they did before the big Keith Lee Keith Lee uh, shine spot at the end was incredibly stupid. And Roman's story for the match was built around a fucking Baron Corbin feud, which how are we still doing this with Baron Corbin, pushing him to the top of the show? He is the top heel on SmackDown, which is on network television, after he's killed the ratings of Monday Night Raw. I mean, it's just, they don't don't learn. They don't learn anything. But because they, you know, they're getting $10 trillion from these fucking dipshit TV networks, it it doesn't matter they don't learn. So whatever. Uh, Brock and Ray was fun. I guess I like that match. Very, yeah, I went like three and a half on it. Dominic bumps fucking... like a champ. Dominic takes a German suplex better than most wrestlers. I know he's a wrestler; he's trained, but most like seasoned wrestlers, he takes a better German suplex than most of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the main event was just bad. I mean, like a star and a half. I went. It was just a very bad, very boring three way. Which I don't know why they chose that as the main event, really. But and the crowd was like completely dead after they were into the last few matches, which made it even more. You know, made them sound even more dead, honestly. Which probably speaks to like Becky Lynch has cooled off so much this year. Like she's still yeah. like 
comparatively one of the most popular people on the WWE roster, but that's not very hard. She doesn't feel special in any way anymore. No. Officially tying her to Seth really, really hurt her. Mm. So we talked a long time, so I guess we're not going to talk about NXT. I assume there's been some good stuff, Garrett. Uh, Yeah, it's been pretty good. Like, Adam Cole's had a really great year. The undisputed year is the best thing going in the company. Like if I were there, if if uh, if they didn't get into that pissing match with AEW, that they have to keep NXT somewhat strong. Like my my reboot for WWE would be call up undisputed era and then try and build around them because they like you can see in the Survivor Series stuff, you can see on NXT they're the 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 best thing going in the company. Undisputed era had a very good year, top to bottom. I can't Uh, watch NXT anymore. It just makes me sad because like so many guys that I really like go there. And they just regress. Like you can just see them becoming worse wrestlers, and it's really upsetting. I mean, I don't. The, my big problem with NXT at this point is like it's. Besides the fact that you know you just feels like you're waiting for people to get called up and get killed, that like there's something about the wrestling style that feels like it's it's not like it's too much per se, but it. I mean, it is too much probably. But yeah. Like there's. There's like it feels a lot of the times like excess for the sake of excess, mm. and you know it feels like almost like the the worst parts of like maybe even like the new Japan style, but like taken to like fifteen, you know? Yeah, like, it's the 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 Adam Cole Matt, Matt Riddle match was the prime example of that for me because like people raved about it and like oh the work rate's insane, and I was like that's maybe a three and a half star match because yeah the work rate was insane. But the storytelling made absolutely no sense. The selling was incredibly inconsistent. It had all of the arguments that people, that particularly WWE slash NXT fans make when they see like a hyped match on the indies. Or it was, Japan. Yeah, or Japan, especially Japan. Yeah. It was everything yeah. that they claim to hate. Yeah, what, I like, mean, that's what NXT has become. It's become everything the WWE fans used to yell about New Japan, except it fits this way more now. The thing about NXT, the reason NXT worked for like the reason it kind of had that boom period was because it it was basically PWG but with stories. Like it applied it applied that that very fast paced high impact style, but then it applied storytelling to it and satisfying payoffs to it, and that worked a lot over and over again for a good like two, three, four years. But at the moment, it's kind of just like a corporate version of PWG without the stories. Like, there's no interest. The only interesting thing that I'd be like, oh, that's a match I really want to see on NXT at the moment is probably Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. That feels like a big, hot match. Everything other than that, like, there's there's nothing there. There's there's no reason for any of these people to be wrestling each other. And they're just having a very corporate version of the PWG style. Because, like, what they did, they co-opted a style and made it better, like, objectively. Like the Gargano and the Sami Zayn stuff in her and the, the, the Pac stuff in early days of NXT, all phenomenal stuff. Kevin Owens, all those people having great matches every month. And now, like, the, 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 they're all working very hard, but it just feels like in service of nothing. It feels yeah. like in service of, of, of a, a, an end goal that is not there. There's no like satisfying stakes or payoffs like there used to be for NXT because that's what NXT did really well. They did like that journey to winning the championship for uh, they did it for Adam Cole, they did it for Johnny Gargano, they did it for Tommaso Ciampa, they did it for Nakamura, they did it for Finn Balor, they did it for Charlotte, they did it for Becky, they did it for Bailey, they did it for all those people over and over again. They did it really well over and over again, and now they just seem stuck. They're just like we're just doing our stuff. We're not really telling many compelling stories. Our characters aren't really all that compelling, but the wrestling is good. 
but it's a kind of a soulless version of the good it used to be. Yeah, the the yeah. turning point for me was the why am I so violent hand, looking at Han's face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when it really yeah. started to fall apart for me. Maybe if a referee told him during a match you're being too violent, it would have all just been fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, NXT UK. Uh, Doesn't exist. Have seen it. Yeah. It's not its fake promotion. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked, I think we talked about this off the air maybe, but like, I, I think the the view counter is at, at uh, Titan Towers is two people, Rover and Joe Lanza. And that's the only people who watch NXT yep. UK. Uh, so let's get into the awards then, because uh, we're running kind of long here anyway. First of all, match of the year. I I did come up with a top five with much, uh, with much uh, consternation. Do the two of you have a top five, top ten, top three? I have like the ten matches I liked the most. I really couldn't put them in order. I have three. Right, okay. All right. Well, let's just do a top five. I'll do it. Me and Kelly do top five, and then Garrett will jump in. Cool. Uh, my fifth, my fifth place match. I have Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Title at Hell in a Cell. I went three and three quarters. So, yes, I only have four matches from WWE this year. Four stars are better. Uh, Kelly, give me a fifth match, I guess. You don't have to just pick one. Uh, let's go uh, the two out of three falls Gargano and Adam Cole match. Okay. Like, I, I uh, liked that match, but the excesses kind of drove it down for me. Fourth place, I have Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan for the NXT title. On November first, SmackDown, the Lost in uh, Saudi Arabia episode. This was—I don't usually like Adam Cole at all, but this was a really good match. I went four stars flat on it. Uh, give me a fourth place match, Mr. Kelly. Uh, let's go, Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae from NXT Takeover Toronto. Third place, I have Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor for the Universal Title from the Royal Rumble, which I went four stars flat on. Just a probably the best one this year for the Brock. Uh, versus underdog little guy match, even though only one eight minutes, just a crazy eight minutes. Uh, Garrett, get join the fun here with a third place match. Well, if only Kelly didn't bury Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle a few minutes ago. It's my third best match of the year. But fine, Kelly, fine. If you think I'm wrong, <laughs> I really don't like that match. I'm sorry. I, I, I know like, I'm uh, I'm kind of on an island with that one, but I really really don't like that match. That is I one of, one of the few NXT excess matches that I'm like. This is actually just just this just this just rules. <laughs> this is great, and it, it might help that that was the first match on USA, and I've become increasingly numb to it since. So maybe if that that if that exact match was on NXT this week, I might not have the same opinion because they've been doing those kind of matches every week on USA for what is it nine weeks now. But that match that match ruled. I like that match a lot. Uh, Kelly, give me a third place. Uh, let's go Hell in a Cell. Becky versus Sasha. Uh, second place, I have Asuka versus Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's title at the Royal Rumble, four and a quarter. Garrett, what's your second place? Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. Tremendous match. Kelly? Same as Garrett. Oh, okay. Well, that's my first place match. Bryan versus Kofi for the WWE title at WrestleMania 35. I went four and a quarter. Uh, it is not going to sniff my top ten overall, but that's my number one WWE match of the year. Garrett, what's your number one? AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins for Money in the Bank, because dear God, I miss AJ so much. Will that make your top ten overall, you think? <laughs> I'd have to think about it, but probably. I don't, I, I haven't cut, copied and pasted my G1 ratings mm. into my spreadsheet. So when I do that, there'll probably like be 17 shingle matches ahead of it. But probably, I'll probably like, if anything else, I'll throw it in the Vanity 10 slot. Kelly? Uh, same as Garrett. Uh, it will not make my list. Okay. So you also voted AJ versus Seth. Yep. 
Okay. So there you go. That's match of the year for WWE. Not a great entering year for the old Fed. Uh, best weekly TV. Um, <laughs> although, I actually, I want to go back to a second for match of the year. When I just said it wasn't a great entering year for the old Fed, was it probably was better than their 2018. Right? I'm just thinking about it in my head. Like, they're tw- That's I, I can't really remember hard. any. I can't remember any good matches from 2018. So I this might have been better. I mean, because 2018, I mean, until that Brock and Brian match came along at the end of the year of Survivor Series, like, that was even more dire in ring year than this year, I think. Yeah. I can't really think of anything. It's, I think the lows in 2019 were lower. Yeah. But I think, like, there were they were more, like, solid matches, probably. Yeah. I and then, like, yeah, I think you're right. But I didn't, see, I didn't watch NXT, really, so either year, so I can't compare that. I don't know, Garrett, do you have any thoughts on the 2018 versus 2019 in-ring? I can't remember a single thing about 2018. Like, not even, <laughs> not even like, in a good or bad way. I just, like, nothing. My brain doesn't uh, even go to anything anymore. It's just, it's all a blob. That's what WWE is. It's just a blob of content. Because it's <laughs> seven, 7 to 10 to 12 hours a week, depending on how many takeovers and pay-per-views there are, of just content. Because, like, in theory, they produce so much television that they should run away with these awards. There should be like 1,700 matches that they've had on television that we should be like, oh, well, this is a candidate and this is a candidate. And it speaks to how terrible their television is that we we don't. <laughs> they have so much content and none of it is good. I will say it works in a weird way where like, because everything is so bad, when the, the moment they have a, like a three and a half star match, it gets hyped by the WWE fans like the best match of all time. Yeah, yeah. every, every three-star like, television match is suddenly a much-watched... Like, it's that Rey Mysterio yeah. Andrade series, which I, I can't even yeah. remember that when that was. That might have been this year, but they have a bunch of really good TV yeah. matches. And, like, they're they're really good TV matches. People are like, match of the year, Rey Andrade. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. Probably not even the best match of this week. Uh, the best weekly TV, is there anything that stands out as from their 10,000 TV shows? God, no. As a single episodes or as the overall shows? Yeah, like the overall show. It's NXT. NXT is the best show they produce. It's not even close. Is, would, would, would you vote for that over AEW? Uh, oh, like uh, outside of? No, no. Dynamite's yeah. a better show than NXT is. Yeah. But with, within the WWE ecosystem, NXT is the best show they make. All right. So best feud of the year. I had a real fucking hard time coming up with three. Shane uh, versus Miz. Shane versus I, Miz. <laughs> I put Brock Ray because at least that was some fun stuff on the television that I saw. And, like, you know, they had a good little blow off match at Survivor Series. And, you know, I had that great moment where, like, you know, I don't know, where Brock killed his kid. So yeah, that was the double 619. That was cool. Yeah. And I put Becky Sasha second because, I don't know, the return felt like a big deal and I had a good match at the end. And then I put Daniel Kofi third, which I don't even know if I could even ju- justify that vote, but. Ah. Whatever. <laughs> but Shane versus Miz is a good one, too, actually. I didn't even think of that one. Uh, at, th- uh, at three, I had Cole and Gargano, I guess. That's literally what I wrote. Cole versus Gargano, I guess. Um, uh-huh. But I'm, I'm going sh- to change that to Shane and Miz, because <laughs> I will un- you- unironically defend Shane McMahon. What else did you put on your top three, then? Uh, two was Brian and Kofi. Because it worked, like regardless of like the the month, the week to week like beats of it, which I I will have problems with. At the end of the day, like the major stuff worked, and he had the great moment of WrestleMania. It, it it got there in the end. And then my number one, the most important feud of the year, WWE versus good television. Yeah, yeah. but we lost that one. 
<laughs> uh, best major show. I do have three picks here. So third place, I put Survivor Series. It was, you know, I went in not sure what to expect, and it was a pretty good show with some pretty good matches. So no complaints. Callie, what do you have anything here for third? Uh, third, I'll go Mania. Because okay. it was Garrett? not entirely terrible. I have the Rumble. Garrett? Okay. Uh, I have WrestleMania second. You know, again, it was half a good show at least, which is counts for something with these WrestleManias now. Uh, Kelly? Second, I'll go the Rumble. Garrett? I have a tie for all the takeovers. <laughs> okay. And then first place, I went with the Royal Rumble because it had the only, it was the only WWE show of the year that had two four star matches for me. So there you go. Uh, Kelly? I want TakeOver New York. Karen? Mm-hmm. I went for Survivor Series because it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Walter. Tag Team of the Year. Tag Team of the Year, I didn't list anybody because I couldn't think of, I really could not think of a single tag team. I I went Ricochet and Black. Because uh, they the were Vikings, a tag team? Yeah, right? Good they were just for like three months. All right, cool. I didn't imagine that. <laughs> uh, the Viking Experience, just because that's fun to say. Mm-hmm. And the shield. Oh, yeah. Why not? Uh, I went Red Dragon number one because, like, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are far and away the best team in that company. It's not even close. Uh, two was a, like a toss up between Street, uh, the Street Profits and the War Machine. Like, the, at, at, during intermittent periods on NXT, both of them had like a few months good runs. So, eh, could be either of them. But then the Viking experience stuff on freaking the main roster has been terrible. And then I went three, literally everybody else. Because, like, I'm sure the Usos and the Revival and the Bar and the New Day and all of those teams, they probably had like good three-star matches across the year. Daniel Bryan and and Eric Rowan had some good pay-per-view matches, but like the tag division has been such a barren wasteland this year. Like we didn't even mention it basically for this entire, we've been talking for like seven hours at this stage. If you're, we're talking for the length of a WWE <laughs> pay-per-view and yeah. we, we didn't mention the tag division once. No, it barely yeah. exists. Uh, and they, there's like what, three sets of tag titles? Or, no, four, because NXT UK. So. Five if you include the women's tag titles. <laughs> Wow. Which I guess we did mention, so, you know, that going for them. Most important tag Uh, title, women's tag titles, because we actually remembered it. Yeah. Most outstanding wrestler. I went Brock in third. He had some matches I liked, which is more than half this roster can say. Uh, Who put anything else in third? Kelly, what'd you put in third? Uh, I went Brian because he dragged a decent match out of The Fiend. Garrett? I forgot to put a third. And I made no distinction between wrestler and most outstanding because realistically, is there a distinction in WWE between those this year? Oh, well, I did do two different I did two different lists, but who cares? Ooh, I'm interested to see why you have two different I, I like I was like, I'm gonna leave a third blank and see does anybody like like tickle my fancy during while we talk through the, the years and like no, no one did. Shane McMahon, I'm putting Shane third. There you go. Okay. Rest of the year because to me it's like I guess how over they were counted to, but you'll see. I I, I had a real hard time picking third place for rest of the year. But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, most outstanding, I put Asuka second. I thought she had a, you know, but she was an awesome match with Becky. All the tag tale stuff I saw with her was good. Uh, you know, it was a very weak year, so why not? Asuka second. Kelly? Uh, Adam Cole. Garrett? Also Adam Cole, who I think has, has done very good work this year. And I have Daniel Bryan first because he's in my match of the year. He's the only guy to appear twice on my match. Oh, no, well. Yeah, the only guy to appear twice on my match of the year list. And, you know, pretty much everything I saw him in, no matter how stupid, was still a baseline level of good, except that Rumble match with AJ. So and I'm now realizing he had a much better match with The Fiend 
than he had with AJ Styles, which is kind of funny. Uh, Kelly, number one for most outstanding? Uh, Io Shirai, one of the best in the world, completely wasted in that company. Garrett? Also Daniel Bryan, who has a, a, a sneaky good year, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, it makes you wonder what he could have done outside the company, but... <laughs> but hey, he gets to spend so much time with his family now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wrestler of the year. So I did this as, like, you know, they had to be pushed to a certain level, too, and they had to be, like, MVP quality, and also they had to have people talking. So I went with third place. I went Sasha Banks, and this is cra- this might sound crazy, but I couldn't count but a third place, and I realized, who did WWE fans talk about more than almost anybody else for half the year when she wasn't even there, Sasha Banks. Her return yeah. felt like a big deal. The Hell in a Cell match was great, and you know then she settled into doing nothing. But I went with Sasha here because not being in the company, she was more over than pretty much the entire roster. So, uh, Did you do a separate list too, Kelly, or no? I did. Uh, number three, okay. I went Brock because he's kind of a placeholder for Buzzman. And I, I put Brock in second because he basically... Is still the biggest star in the company. Uh, who'd you put second? Uh, two, I went Adam Cole for honestly for the insane schedule he had been working and how hard he got over with everyone. Yeah, and I put Becky Lynch first because it was kind of her year when you look at Mania and you know she made a better Mania and Survivor Series, even though both matches were three ways and both were not very good. But hey, uh, they tried and she did have some good matches, you know, with Asuka and with Sasha. Um, you know, she appeared twice on my match of the year list and, you know, she seemed like a big star, but man, they, they did kill her to a degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, she's not going to sniff my overall, uh, rest of the year list, but I think she is a deserving winner for WWE's 2019. Yeah. I went with Becky too. I can't see voting any other way for wrestler of the year in WWE. And will she make her overall list, sir? Um, probably not. I, I don't I don't really do these kind of awards for anything other than like a show like this. But okay. Okay. if I had to, I probably she wouldn't make it. So there you go, Garrett. That's why we did separate lists, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, like my, if if I were to make a separate list, people would only come down. Like Seth Rollins would finish higher on my rester of the year list than most outstanding, but. I, I can't read like it's the same thing in this company. It's everyone's on the same level. No one's actually drawing anything meaningful. No one's reading like Becky is the most over person in the company with a little asterisk next to it with the like everybody else is just not over. That's the reason she's the most over person in the company. <laughs> but yeah. All right, let's get into the mailbag so we can wrap this show up finally. Uh at Epper's Consort, just a good transition here. Seth, what in the hell happened? Brock. He was revealed as a geek. Brock happened. That's what I'll say. Brock happened. Uh, at Mikey8422, how much better would 2019 WWE be if you put Yoshihashi in the Seth Rollins spot? I mean, it couldn't really be any worse. So, <laughs> so look, at least Yoshi, Yoshi would have been a much better underdog babyface against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but I don't think he would have been able to have as good of a match with AJ Styles. But so that brings him... Seth Rollins is a much better wrestler. He's a much better wrestler uh, than Yoshihashi. Yeah. Even, even doing it. If you picked someone like, I don't know, if you picked like Taiji Ishimori, I'd be like, hmm, how much yeah. better a year would it be if you put Taiji yeah, Ishimori I, in I'm, the front? I really hate Yoshihashi. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Look, he had a good match the other day in the Tag League. Four stars. Look, Tag, the, Tag League is like NXT UK. It's not real. Okay. 
uh, at Rich Lotta32. How long will it be before the WWE main roster will ever have someone challenge for Flair Feds or Most Outstanding? Never. Uh, at this rate, never. Everything's on the down. So, like, yeah. you, can't, you, you can't make a reasonable case that any of these people have any meaningful momentum or, like, contribute in any way meaningful to business. So, like, yeah, not for not unless there's a sudden wacky boom period. You could like, make an argument for Rhonda. But, like, can you? I I would say you could. I think she did raise interest going into WrestleMania. Yeah, but, like, that didn't, again, did that reflect meaningful? I could, she's not going to TV ratings went down after she left, I guess, you could yeah. probably say. Yeah, I think that's the only person you could really realistically make an argument for. Uh, I think maybe like, have someone ch- like challenge the award, like actually have a shot in help winning. She's not winning. No, no. And like maybe if NXT suddenly takes off, Adam Cole might have a case, but not at the moment. And also for most outstanding, you would just need a totally different uh, way of presenting and like doing matches. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, nobody can ever come up with, like no one can ever touch like having a G1 resume, you know, like there's no, no WWE G1. People really tried pathetically to try to make the King of the Ring the WWE G1. And that's ne- that was never going to happen. The le- uh, the closest you got to that was the uh, John Cena U.S. title open challenge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, you know, that, I, don't, I don't know. It's not, I mean, it's just not, they don't have enough good matches anymore to do. No, no one, no one has enough good matches to realistically qualify, realistically challenge. And I mean, you know, the G, like Japanese wrestling will always have these tournaments that give you an advantage and they just have more like big matches to go out there and do stuff. But I don't know. It's just like, it's really, really tough. So, I'm thinking, I'm looking up the cage match statistics at the moment. Seth Rollins had 33 televised singles matches this year. And I want to know how many Okada had, who, like, is, is like but the default front runner for the rest of the year every year. Probably just like 19. And yeah, he's probably had less. Like, the, the, well, the problem is the cage matches suck, though. That's the thing. No, like, like, I'm kind of rejecting the premise that like WWE are not not equipped. Like Okada, twenty one singles matches in New Japan this year. He might have had some others outside of it, but like like Seth Rollins has worked uh, twelve more singles matches than Okada has this year. Like, there's no reason those singles matches should be bad. So like, well, I don't like, I don't really agree with the idea that like they, they no one else in the, the 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 world has like the opportunity to have these matches. In theory, Seth Rollins has a greater opportunity to have a better resume than Okada. But you I'm also saying- have to remember that with the company he works for, like there he has to have on TV some purposely bad matches. Yeah, just fucking right. because. I don't think WTV matches are an equal opportunity to G one. That's what I'm saying. But, but, but they could be. That's that's my point. <laughs> Yeah, they could be. There's no reason they couldn't. There's no reason Seth Rollins couldn't be going out there having like he's going out there having matches. He's still like wrecking his body. I don't think it would be appreciably worse if he decided to have four star matches instead of like two two and three quarter star matches. If he was put in a position, I suppose, to have four star matches and two and three quarter star matches, he's still taking the bumps. Yeah. Uh, At Liara Papas Medoff, who would you want to see from WWE compete in the G1? Since we just saw Mox's performance, I'm sure many other wrestlers can show us what they're really capable of. I mean, you could name a million people. Uh, my big one has always been Roman Reigns. Cause I just yeah, think Roman or Rusev. I think Roman, if he got went in there and just got to really like show what he could do for a month, I think he would have like a bunch of like four star matches, but I'd say Cesaro. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Rusev, I always actually say not New Japan. DDT would be a good place for him. Yeah, because he can do the comedy too. Exactly. I think he would just do so well in DDT. Okay, so at Grapplestein wants some predictions. First of all, does Raw go under two million in 2020? I'm going to say yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Especially because there'll be holiday episodes. So like, even if you don't, if you put the proviso of excluding non-holiday episodes, I'd still say yes. I think you could see it go below two million before the end of the year. Yeah, well, it will. Like uh, the Christmas week and New Year's episodes, 100 will go through. Will go below two million. Uh, does anybody attempt to unionize? No. 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 <laughs> it's just it's never going to happen in WWE. Not while Vince is alive, anyway. No. Does WWE continue to hoard talent, or will there be a release purge? I think they'll continue to hoard talent. I, there was that article that Forbes put out saying that there might be a, a purge in the early 2020. I think it reaches the tipping point. I think sometime yeah, next year. I think going to have to. Uh, at Kevin Cheat uh, says, at what point in WrestleMania main event did you realize there was a mistake to make it a three way? Like, I think you answered this on Twitter, Garrett, and said like immediately. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I responded on Twitter saying three months earlier. Yeah, yeah, it should never have been a three-way. It should never, ever, ever have been. Like, the second they had that freaking segment where Becky Lynch stood bloody atop the in the stands looking down at Ronda Rousey, it's like, WrestleMania main event. Uh, Sean Cedor, this question probably has a ton of different answers, but what was the biggest missed opportunity for WWE this year? Oh, fuck. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to answer what? this. Because, like, I don't even think there's... I'd, I'd say Becky Lynch. I think Becky Lynch is the, the, the biggest, like, she went from being a, a, a potentially transformative star to being a WWE star, which there's a big difference between those two things. But, like, there's not even, like, that many missed opportunities this year. It's not like they had things they could have done, and they chose, like, bad options. I mean, Gable. Thing. Gable's definitely one. But, like, Gable's, Gable's been booked into the ground since he's got called up. Yeah. It's not like there was a moment where it's like, if only they had done this at this moment, that it would have been different because I don't think they hadn't that... put those shorts on him. <laughs> uh, Joe Gagney says, "Who on the card WWE roster do you think has the best chance of going into the Hall of Fame? Is there anyone?" Um, I think people will look back in that ma- that ma- the first Mania three way main event for women is going to mean a lot to people. I think, yeah, probably. I think Becky has your best shot. Yeah. Or Char- I think Charlotte's probably Charlotte. Yeah, uh, is Randy in yet? No, uh, maybe he Randy. Shouldn't he, shouldn't he shouldn't be, be, but I think I think like Dave, I think Dave likes Randy, and I think my, Randy might brute force his way in eventually. Yeah. Uh, so Jack Beckman says, "Can you talk about how much Seth Rollins has ruined Becky Lynch in every aspect?" He <laughs> because of her, him, she was in that stupid fucking feud with Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans that she, totally cooled her off. Yeah, she hasn't quite been the same since, has she? No. Yeah. So that's a good answer, I guess. Uh, okay, so finally, let, we got some Discord questions. Not that many, though, thankfully. Uh, first of all, from the Jcast Discord, uh, only one question. Is VOW paying for Garrett and Kelly to get therapy for the emotional distress they were put through while reviewing WWE pay-per-views? That's from uh, Booze Leprechaun. You know, I never thought with that about it, but well, yeah, we, they probably should. They should send us to Dr. Stevie Richards. <laughs> Doctor, <laughs> Dr. Stevie Richards, it's true. Doctor Stevie uh, should help us. Yep, he'll help. So let me see what else. From, we, now from the Worst of Wrestling Discord, I think we got a few more here. Uh, Dakota Ibushi. De- First of all, one, why can't WWE book baby faces? 
Vince doesn't know what's likable. Yeah, Vince has no idea what a likable human being is like. Watch any time they've booked a romantic couple in any way. He just doesn't know how that works either. Mm-hmm. And then two, what, who should they get behind to try and actually be successful at it? I don't think it's even possible. Uh, I'd say Undisputed Deer. I think call up Undisputed Deer and try and make them like the the the, the hottest thing on the show for a few months. Oh, he's, I think goes. we need that baby faces. Is that going to work? Is... Like, I, like, I personally, I think if you look at the Survivor Series, you will see that Daniel Bryan is still there. You know? Yeah. People still really like Daniel Bryan. You could easily like put the belt on Bryan and have him do like a, a sick like eight month reign where he has really great paper. Like there's enough people on that roster that you can pair up with Daniel Bryan that he will have great pay-per-view matches. He's the most popular guy in the company and he'll do real well. So like like if I were them, I would actually call the Audible at freaking Survivor Series and just said, Fiend, you're done. But yeah. people like Bryan, like that, that was a Chicago crowd as well. And the only mm-hmm. person they were really into, like you know, on an organic level without having to do Canadian Destroyers on aprons, the only person they were really into was Daniel Bryan. So like in case of emergency, break the Daniel Bryan, Bryan, Bryan glass. Actually, they were really into Walter, too. Yeah, <laughs> either one of those two. It's like, it's Walter. How do you not understand Walter? It's yeah. so stupid. I think uh, it might be worth them giving another Roman go. I think you can I agree make that. I would, I would try it. I mean, yeah. I think you're going to anyway, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's been long enough. Maybe you could try it. But, but then the problem is you have to do Roman Reigns versus The Fiend. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, that like that's legit. That's going to be the Mania match, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. I don't want to see that match. <laughs> I don't think anyone does really. Carl, Carl gives us a real question here. Fuck Mary Kill, Vince, Stephanie, and Hunter. Um. Oh. Um. Are we talking gonna 2019 say- incarnations of these people, or can we go back in time? <laughs> I'm. Gonna, I think. I think he means now. So I'm going to say, fuck Stephanie. Mary Hunter kill Vince. Yeah, I think that's the way you gotta go. Cause at least with Hunter, you could like hang out and watch PWG with him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he likes him. He, like, he, probably, he seems to like a lot of matches that I would also probably like at least. Yeah. So you can watch the Dragon's Gate with him. You can yeah. show him Walter matches and like this is how it works. And I mean I'm sorry, Vince, but I ain't I ain't doing anything with you. So Oh, I ain't <laughs> sorry. Vince deserves it. Goodbye. Yeah, Vince is Enjoy getting that. killed. Yeah. Go shit your uh, pants and fall in a hole. <laughs> Ice Age coming uh, basically says, is there anyone in this particular climate that would benefit from signing with WWE from Japan other than financially? I don't, I can't think of anybody. I thought about this for a while. Like who would do better in WWE than, than they're doing right now in Japan? Uh, mm. I have no idea. I mean, there's really nobody. Um, I can think of. Yoshitatsu. Bad look uh, Fale. No, Bad Luck Folly would get buried, I think. I'm trying to think of someone who's like underpushed but tall. That's, yeah. that, that, that's like that's the person that would go maybe like maybe Sonata. I don't know. I don't think Sonata would do better there. Are you kidding? Uh, really? I think Sonata's Sonata's, like super he's super over in Japan. He's the perfect kind of lazy that would get over in that company. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's Vince would Sonata's super over already. He would not be. He would not be more over in WWE. Like you need somebody. You need somebody who's like not over in Japan. I don't Do you know, think I Vince think would I, like Joe cool Doring? Sorry, you both talked at once. You go first, Garrett. 
I think you need someone that's like over but not pushed. So that's why, like, like Sonata's kind of hit his glass ceiling there. And I don't think there's an IWGP title reign in there for at least a couple of years. No. So but maybe he's not going to win any title either. I mean, I don't know. He'll be NXT ace. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Do you think, think Vince would like Joe Doring? I think he would. No, mm. I don't. I don't think so. I don't see. No. I think Sonata's going to win the Intercontinental title soon, and I think that's the IWGP Intercontinental title is a higher level than anything he's ever hit in WWE. So. Listen, NXT ace. No, I, I remember Kushida. Remember him? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. It's, it's a shame he retired. Yeah. Uh, so Brett has two questions. First of all, when, where do you expect to get the inevitable Bray Wyatt versus the Fiend match? Where he wrestles himself. Oh, that <laughs> oh, would. No. Oh hell yeah, let's do it. Oh no, <laughs> that would be incredible. And you know, the Fiend then would be Bo Dallas. <laughs> that's no no and then two why is vince mcmahon a piece of shit i don't know because oh is. there's you got a whole day hold on <laughs> he hasn't emotionally evolved since 1985 yeah uh and then mark says is the fiend being successful and now supposedly being the top merch mover or product WWE in the past handful of years being so bland and generic or is the gimmick actually interesting and worth paying to see Slash would work in past eras of WWE. Uh, probably the former, buddy. I, I think this is that. Like this is WWE based. Like the Fiend is a WWE gimmick up and down. You know. Yeah. It's it's like it's the Undertaker. It's they're trying to do the Undertaker again. So it's not like it's mm-hmm. this novel idea. And no. he has he has he's marketable. Like he has the masks. He has the shitty ass six thousand dollars title. I, but I think in back in the day, he easily could have gone the way of like um, Papa Shango. Like, Papa Shango, uh, the fucking Boogeyman, yeah. uh, Mordecai. They have tried plenty of these stupid spooky gimmicks and have them not work. I think there's a very good chance that this is in a better era of WWE. This is Papa Shango all over again. And yeah. just fucking this. I think that's where so, it ends uh, as well. We're, we're, like, we're, we're in the phase of the Boogeyman where he has WrestleMania matches with Booker T, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's, it that's where worked. We are right now. This, this, this one worked out a little better because of the firefly funhouse sketches leading up to it and it has that weird ironic adult swim type humor to it that it's, people kind of like it's the bray wyatt thing all over again though isn't it because like when yeah. he started with the bray wyatt character on television with the wyatt family cutting those promos which like you look back on and you realize he said nothing ever but the, no. you know they were well delivered they were well scripted they sounded good and like it, uh, then he had to wrestle and that's always the bray wyatt quandary he will eventually have to wrestle and that's yeah. always like that's always how it goes. Bray Wyatt will inevitably disappoint you because Bray Wyatt's not a very good pro wrestler. Uh, Don Waka says he basically wants to know our top three pushes this year, and he said like good vignettes, consistency in character portrayal, match wins and losses when appropriate, etc. Uh, when he explained that, I can't come. I really can't come up with one. I mean, what would that be? What would the answer be? All right, I mean, guys, I got it. Like, I got it. Cedric Alexander, Shorty <laughs> G, uh, and I'm just predicting Humberto Carrillo is going to be up there, too. There you go. I'm going to say, I mean, maybe Adam Cole, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, no, realistically, Adam Cole. Yeah. I mean, I don't know our top three. Good, Best of luck. Yeah. Uh, Prince says, have you noticed any deliberate changes to the product when compared to the year before? No, it's, I mean, it's bad. It's worse. Like, but I don't think, I don't know if that's deliberate. Yeah. I don't think they they mean it could be worse. Remember, I mean, deliberately there's more cucking. 
<laughs> there is certainly like 150% more cooking on this show. Yeah. Yeah. YOLO says, right, have I told you guys what my theory on the whole cucking angle is going to be? What? So it's going to turn out that Maria's baby is black. I'm sorry, you had to you had to specify which cucking angle because there's multiple. I think it's all Maria's of them. Black. It's it's a combined okay. cucking angle. Okay. So Maria's baby is black, like Bobby Lashley, because uh-huh. somehow Bobby Lashley. When he was doing his business, he got stuff inside Lana. And then Lana got stuff from Bobby Lashley onto Rusev. And then Rusev got that stuff on to Maria. Thereby, Maria has Bobby Lashley's baby. And we have one unified cucking angle. Okay. That's that's sure. my prediction on how that ends. Because I really think Vince would just laugh hysterically if Maria gives birth and there's a black baby. I mean, you probably would find it funny. Yeah, right? Uh, okay, let's get to the rest of these questions because I'm losing my voice. YOLO, <laughs> how do you feel watching Asuka get completely ruined and then become kind of cool with Kari saying, uh, sure, I, I don't really... I mean, look, I, I gave up on Asuka the moment she lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania last year, which was already very yeah. stupid, a very dumb time to end her streak. I mean, then she had that terrible feud with Carmel. I mean, like, she's been dead forever. So I think yeah. just it's a, sh- it's a shame she, she retired after that WrestleMania. Remember when she disappeared off TV for like three months? Yeah. yeah. And then there's she was a, a geek chasing a belt. Just, there's a bunch of people that just randomly disappeared off TV. Like Buddy Murphy disappeared off three, TV for three months. Nakamura disappeared off TV for three months. Uh, Kevin uh, or Sami Zayn disappeared off TV for ages. All these people just suddenly right, disappeared. And there's a manager. So, yeah. Uh, Zimpari. Uh, extremely hard question. What was the positive aspects of WWE in 2019? Challenge mode, no NXT, or UK or 205. Uh, like I said, there was some good matches, and if you turned your brain off and don't look at the pushes, there was plenty of good in-ring wrestling that was, you know, good enough and, like, boarding on the four-star level. The problem is you can get that, that from lots of places where the booking also doesn't insult you, so... But I guess that would be the that'd be the biggest positive. Is the end ring style doesn't always seem super behind everything else anymore. I guess. Yeah, Miz yeah. versus Shane was so stupid. I loved it. Yeah, best wrestler in the world, Shane Ryan. I'd say Daniel Bryan had a sneaky good in ring year. Yeah. Uh, yeah Gerard, we only got two questions left. Thank God. Gerard Detrolio says Brock stuff is the only thing I like on the main roster, but it seems like they are using him more often. Uh, in the last couple of years. Do you think, with no opponent on the horizon, I think there's a risk of using him too much and ruining his specialness? I think they already kind of did. See, yeah, the rant I don't I think he's special anymore. Ago. Yeah, he's not special anymore. He's yeah. just, he's a, he's a big guy who does big guy things and hits people and laughs about it. And he's got Paul Heyman to cut the same promo every time he's out there. They're and, you know, the, you're convinced he's special. Just go back to the Money in the yeah. Bank segment of the podcast and hear what I said then. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Age coming Ice Age coming finally says uh, they want our opinion on the new WWE title, the Fiend Belt. Revolting. We kind of talked about it already. Yeah. Yeah, I want I want to buy one so I can cut a hole in its mouth and put my <laughs> wiener through it and then helicopter around and make internet money. That's how internet <laughs> money works, right? Well, that brings this podcast full circle. <laughs> w- would people subscribe to the Patreon for that? I don't know. 
this this these shows always end up just leaving me feel so defeated at the end. I'm just like, can I, I show my dick on Patreon? No, no. So. All right, never I mind. Think, then. I think they have a ban against that. Anyway, right, well, th- this uh, throws my entire idea out of whack. So let's wrap this up. WWE is fucking terrible. Yep, it's not mm-hmm. real bad. This is legitimately guys, one of the worst years in the history of the company. And you like, guys are not going to be back on next year, even if we do another one, because you're not doing these reviews anymore. I might be tricked back. Like, I, I am going to do Royal Rumble just because I enjoy writing my stream of consciousness Rumble reviews. We'll see how things go after that. I watch okay. Survivor Series, so I'll probably just end up watching all these shows anyway because I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm def- you know what show I'm definitely not going to watch is fucking TLC. Well, is there anything I'm announced not- for TLC? I don't, I, I don't think so, but I just can't. I hate ladder matches. I just can't stand them. So who needs a show full of fucking stupid plunder matches? Not me. Yeah. So they can have fun with that. I'm All sure right, they'll so. hit each other with kendo sticks. <laughs> they probably will. W audience uh, delighted. Tables. There's tables everywhere. It's their favorite show <laughs> of the year. Oh, that's true. Oh, do you think Table. we'll get a stairs match? Oh, I want a stairs I, match. Uh. Kelly, give me plug your Twitter and stuff. Let's wrap this up. All right, you can down. find me on Twitter at Comic Kelly, just one K. Uh, I do occasional writing at Voices of Wrestling. Do a podcast every Tuesday night live at 9 p.m. Central. Uh, the panels on pages podcast. We stream live on YouTube, uh, and then download goes up usually the next day of the day after. And uh, that's about it that I got to promote right now. Garrett. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Garrett AGA or ETT. I just forgot how to spell my own name. Dear God, this is what the <laughs> read is to me. <laughs> it's going to be in the description. Don't worry. You don't got to spell it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go click it down there. Uh, every Thursday morning, if you want to be like, I don't know what to think about NXT or AW, do my thinking for me. You can listen to Wednesday War Games on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I make videos about uh, video games on YouTube, very original. Uh, a white guy with brown hair talking about video games on YouTube is a market that I think is underserved. But you can search for youtube.com forward slash Gary Kidney and watch Gary, my nonsense. Are you, are you going to block your wife on Twitter? I will never block my wife on Twitter. <laughs> And I also will never use a corporate Twitter to block a poor form performer like Dear Ring of Honor did this week. Yeah. I will uh, say Garrett's uh, YouTube channel is great, especially it was like he was on the Japan trip with us because during that was uh, E3. So every, pretty much every morning, either Paul or I would wake up and be like, well, what happened at E3? And we just go on YouTube. There's Garrett's video to tell us what happened. Oh, I'm there in spirit because I pulled yeah. out because I didn't have the money at the time. <laughs> Uh, and then that's it, folks. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about something I do like a lot more WWE. Joshi. I mean, that could have been anything, but really, it's Joshi. Uh, so next weekend, the Year in Review series continues. I'm going to have on Taylor, of course. He's a longtime guest. Been on the show a million times, but he's going to be on here one more time. And <laughs> Co-host of Wrestle Almost Casa. Yeah. And also uh, Luke, uh, a.k.a. Oysters Earrings on Twitter. Big Joshi fan. Someone who really helps me out in these episodes. He'll, he'll dive into some of these deep promotions even I don't watch. So that'll be exciting. So next week, Wrestling Omakase, our Joshi year interview. That'll be something to look forward to. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase. Wrestling did not fit. I'm going to go hopefully not think about World Wrestling Entertainment for a long time. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you again next time. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.